Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some days life feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy, amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. Need for and, and a want for men to, to be in that 
position of leading, regardless of what even we as women say sometimes about this liberal rights stuff and all of this, um, there is such a desire, especially from my heart, to see men leading um, in their prospective roles as, as on the jobs and in the homes, as fathers and so forth. So the, the response to this has, has just been overwhelming, but in the most humbling and most grateful way, um, because this was a God idea. It wasn't, it, it, it actually came about, um, Roddy, from hearing you guys talk one, one night on this show and then hearing another show as well, just, just women being blessed by hearing men talk the talk and trying to walk that walk as well. So um, let me check here, make sure everybody's in. I just got a message. So you guys bear with us. Okay. All right, so it sounds like you just got it. Great. Um, so we'll just carry on. So that's kind of how this came about, and, and what we want to do is honor men who are doing that and at the same time bring awareness to the importance of. And it's so important also to know that you don't have to be a CEO of a company or a founder of this great organization. That is helpful, sure enough, but you don't have to be a two-time author like Rodney is. However, what we need to, for people to realize and bring awareness to is if you are a father, a husband, a son who is, doing your very best, you're, you're holding yourself accountable in the highest way, you're holding yourself accountable to God and being respectful to your respectful role put here by God. So, again, it's so important, and I say that because I want more people who see themselves as not maybe leaders to call in and say, hey, you know what, I would like 15 minutes on, on your show or 30 minutes or an hour I would, I would like that because I think the first and most important thing is to recognize and see yourself as a leader in whatever capacity that may be. I'm reminded of a story um, while I was visiting Clarksville for work purposes and went with someone to pick up their daughter from school, and they were talking about how this person um, who was their the crossing guard and had been for years, but everybody loved this person because they did it in the rain, sleep, snow, shine, whatever, they did it the same. And, and that was like a breath of fresh air for people. So I want to promote awareness to, to this, to leading men, to the leadership role, um, to the importance of that. So that's what this is about. And I'll start by, um, we'll give our housekeeping things uh, here shortly, but I want to, well, let me give this first. We'll give people time to kind of come in um, kind of get in and get settled. Uh, Rodney, you still have the chat line open because I've yet to be able to open it. Yes, ma'am, I still have it open. I hate to do this to you, but you might have to work it and, and be interviewed as well. Don't worry, I've got your back. Okay, okay, cause, and if I can open it, I'll let you know. Um, but, but the housekeeping things, if you're listening online, you select the number one and we'll be able to pull you in for you to ask your question, make a comment. Please do this. Um, let's talk more. we got to be able to communicate more and address these things so that we can come up with solutions to get things back in order. So select the number one if you're listening online. I'm sorry, by phone. And if you're listening online, if you're using the Facebook, of course, we cannot, um, you cannot communicate with us through the chat line from, from Facebook, but you can send us 
a message, and I'll be back and forth uh, kind of checking from there. But be patient. It's better for you to just call in, 818-691-746, if you can. And, again, 818-691-7406, or register as a follower, and you'll be able to listen and comment through the chat line. So you have to register as a follower. You can use Facebook to do, to do that, make it quicker. Or you can, if you don't want us to know your Facebook name and all that, you can select, um, you know, create a username, password, and all that, and then, you know, keep yourself private. So that's totally up to you how you want to do that process. But do listen, do call in, do get your comments and questions in. We'll take them however they come. want to remind everyone of our trash can um, baby. I recently did this again this weekend, Rodney. I have no, well, last weekend, I have no idea why I did this because I keep going back. And I, I used another trash can. I keep going back to where that one was. So for you new people, and we have a lot of new listeners tonight, we we're expecting a lot of new, new people to call in. So what we do is we ask you guys to move a trash can, one that you visit frequently. And in doing this, what we're hoping to do is promote um, awareness about how we, our mind keeps up with even the most smallest, what, seem, what seems to be insignificant things in our lives. And as you, as you see yourself returning back to its old location, I mean, I literally will walk past where it is now to go to where it was because my mind automatically takes me there. So when you do this, allow yourself to go there for a minute and think, what what else am I just doing out of habit? What things am I allowing in my life out of habit? What people am I allowing in my life out of habit? That's probably more important than anything because we, we will get used to and accustomed to people regardless of how good or bad they are for us. It's because, okay, well, I know what I have. So we will deal with some things and some people because of that. So it's so important to do this and to promote that awareness about your mind, your mindset, your thoughts, your habits. And if you have kids, husband, whatever, make a fun game out of it. Put a chart on the refrigerator and have people, when they do that, when they go back to the wrong place, hey, go put your number down and then have a discussion about it. Talk about changing your mindset, changing the things um, changing things in your thoughts in order to create your future because life is not what happens to you. It's kind of like what you do to life, what you give back to life. So you have to take responsibility and accountability and then change your thoughts, change your actions, and all of that to get what you want out of life. So that's what we're about here, transformation, transforming lives, transforming things, and this world is so out of order in so many ways, and, and this show, we hope, will promote awareness about, the, the again, the importance of, of having men lead. So that being said, let me move forward quickly. We sow a thought. We reap an action. We sow an action. We reap habit. We sow habit, and we get our character, and character becomes our destiny. So you see your thoughts are taking you somewhere, and your which is leading you to your destiny. So you have to take control of your thoughts, your actions, all those things in order to get where you want to be. So without further ado, what I want to do is kind of um, first say hello to Rodney and say thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to share um, something with you guys. And our, our 
I guess our frequent listeners know this because I think we talked about it a time or two. But Rodney and I wanted to talk about how we met. And I would say we, I guess we met on the radio, but we don't quite know what radio station and all that. But I remember being out. We've never met. We've never met eye to eye. We've never met. And so for those of you who really know Tammy, to be sitting here doing this with, with Rodney and having Rodney, Rodney did the show for, I guess, more about a month or so while I kind of went away, right, Rodney? That That is know? true. Felt like, felt like six months. <laughs> but for people who know me, and I, and to, to say that I've never met you and and all that, that is that is that is just not the way Tammy does things. Like she is so, I told Rodney I'm such a control freak, and I I just want to know it all and figure it all out and and make sure it's all okay. So that what that says. For me and to me and about Rodney is that he is a true leader in my eyesight. And there was such an anointing that I don't doubt, even to this day, I don't doubt the man and the leader that he is. And what's so um, what's so interesting about this is, like I said, I was out and I heard heard him on the radio. I heard something that, drew, that made me come home and look him up. I mean, I stopped doing what I was doing, I came home to look him up, found him, sent a message, and he he called, you know, almost right away. But I we have yet to figure out what radio station, and I was listening to a major radio station um, here in Memphis from my, from my truck. So I give it all to God. I really do because we've yet, again, to figure that out. And I feel like we spend so much time trying to connect ourselves with where we need to be connecting ourselves with God so God can connect us to those people, to to those people and things who are in our path that was already predestined, already. And so I feel like this is such a God thing. Now, interesting enough, and I won't get off too much into this, we have someone coming on the show um, in a few weeks that I kind of feel something, some kind of way about it because I seriously don't remember reaching out to this person. And I went back looking, trying to figure out what, what is it? Something triggered my mind to make, to you know, to say, hey, you did, this is why. Because, again, I just like to know. So I wanted to know how, how did this happen. So we'll talk about that during that show. But my point, again, is if God intends for us to be, we cannot stop it. We cannot stop it. We 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 can prolong it <laughs> as much as we think we want to and, and will. But if it's if it's to be, it will be. And so um, I just want to start out by saying thank you, Rodney, for being who you are. I thank God for bringing you in my life. I look forward to the day that we can connect, and I know we're gonna we're working on some other things uh, that we hope to do in 2015. But this is a God thing, people, so all I can say is sit back, watch, and wait. We don't know all the details. We don't know what it will end up being. But I do know when it's a God thing, it's a for sure thing, and it's a thing that will move people and move this world. And I'm up for the challenge, and I know Rodney is. So, Rodney, say hello to the people and and just whatever words you want to give, and then I'll get into putting you into the hot seat. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us for our first show. 
here in the year 2015. We are so delighted to have you all here with us. Again, my name is Rodney Jordan. I'm a sixth-grade math teacher in Manassas, Virginia. I'm also the author of two books. Uh, my first book is titled Tired of Being Black, which offers a fresh perspective on the negative stereotypes and struggles of the black race. I'm also the author of the book From the Heart of a Teacher, which simply talks about how the ineffective policies teaching and parenting, how those things are affecting our students in grades K through 12. So I'm looking forward to a wonderful show. Uh, Tammy, bring on the questions. I'm ready to be on the hot seat. I'm so glad that uh, so many people have decided to tune into the show. Um, let's do it. Okay. And, again, I, I still can't get into the chat line, so if you don't mind, will you be – co-host and um, guest tonight. Absolutely. Okay, great. Great. All right. Well, let's start. And the seat's not too hot, but I do like to mess with people and especially Rodney about uh, some of these questions that he anticipates to come. So let's just start. Um, Rodney, just tell us in your words, what is a leader to you? In your opinion, what is a true leader from, from the male perspective? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Um, I think that a leader is competent. I think that a leader is compassionate. I think a leader is cooperative, and I think a leader is committed. Uh, you have to be competent because you have to know why you're leading. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be knowledgeable about whatever it is you're trying to trying to do, whatever you're trying to accomplish. You have to set goals. You have to know how you plan to reach those goals. So. Again, you have to be competent. You have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, it's going to be very hard for people to follow. You have to be compassionate when it comes to being a leader, uh, simply because there there are going to be people following you who are going to need your compassion, who are going to need you to show them love. They're going to need your gentleness. Um, so with that, uh, you you have to know how to handle people. You have to, you have to know how to deal with people. Uh, regardless of what they come with, it doesn't mean that you lower your standards. It just mean, it just means you know how to deal with people. Uh, you have to be cooperative. How can you ask people to follow you when you're not good at following other people? How can you want people to follow your guidance, follow your leadership, when you're not able to do the same thing? So you have to be cooperative. You have you have to first uh, set the example. I know for me as a teacher. My way of teaching is to first introduce the the topic or introduce the content, introduce the, the, the skills uh, or the strategies to my student, and then I'll model it for them. And after I model it for them, I give them a chance to do it with me. And then after I give them a chance to do it with me, then I turn loose and I let them do it on their own, simply because as a leader, you have to be able to demonstrate what it is that you want people to do because you can't be a leader if you can't first follow great leadership or follow leadership at all. Um, I think about the, the police officers up in New York City. I understand that they may have beef with the mayor um, at this moment. However, at your at your colleagues, your, your your coworkers' funeral is not the time to demonstrate disrespect to the mayor of your city. 
I thought that was so unprofessional. And then to do it twice at the end of uh, uh, during yesterday's ceremony um, after the uh, the commissioner told them not to do so. To me, that's not great leadership. That's not that's not that's that's not good leadership. And the, the police are the are the first first ones to get upset when people don't comply or cooperate with them. But yet, they won't cooperate with their own commissioner. They won't cooperate with the mayor of the city. I I, I just find it to be a problem. And then the last one, being committed. You you have to be dedicated. You have to be sold out to your purpose. You have to be you have to be committed to whatever it is that you are trying to do. And it is hard to be committed when you're distracted. It's hard to be committed when you're trying to do a lot of things at one time. So find out what your purpose is and then just sell out. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It just means that you have to be one hundred percent dedicated, committed, sold out to your purpose, um, whatever that may be in life. I love, and I'll start with where you ended. I wrote so much down, but I'll start so that we'll be able to get all the questions in. Sold out to your purpose. I I feel that so often we we purpose hop um, based on, and I think we do this because we, we are so we, Focus and looking at others, and we think what they are doing um, looks so grand, and and that it is what they now want to do, and we don't listen to that inner spirit. We don't go to what's burning and in, inside of us and stick to that and, and stay with that. And like you say, give it, give it your all. Be being sold out to it. So great points, especially for those who. Um, and I think this is most people today. And I want to stay focused on, on, on men, but I, I, Corey, and I don't know if Corey's listening, listening tonight, but Corey said something during the conversation tour that we had here on the 14th, um, as we were talking about uh, spirituality, church, as it relates to men, and so forth. And he mentioned, basically, and I'm going to put this in my words, um, that men are looking for instructions on how to do this how to be that leading uh, husband, father, and so on, and that for the most part men don't participate in today's church because um, they don't feel that they get that. They feel like it's an emotional roller coaster and that most churches are appeasing to um, the emotional life, which is really in that, in most men's opinion, some men's opinion, is geared towards the, the woman. And so this reminded me of the show that we did, um, Why Can't I Get Him to Go to Church? And it also brings me back to that word, instructions, and, well, for Proverbs. In Proverbs 1 and 8, it said, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. And I purposely went back to the King James uh, Version for this, but it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And when I when I look at this word instruction, and I think about what Corey said, being a, a husband, a father, um, who in my opinion is doing that really well, who who is is, is really leading in that area um, of fatherhood and and just being a, a leader and a man. And as we talked about, as I talked about at, at the beginning of the show, that's so important to have men 
back in that perspective place as leaders in all areas. So tell me this, Ronnie, do you think, what are your thoughts on the difference in the way that men lead and women lead? Um, and if you want to look it back to the spiritual part of it as well. Well, uh, <laughs> let me just throw this out here uh, be, be, before I answer that question. Uh, if you're in the chat room, please, uh, or, or on the phone line, please don't sit back. If you have a question, you have a comment, uh, please jump into this conversation at any time. Um, because I may say some things that may spark some, some, some discussion. So please don't sit back. Please don't discuss it with your neighbor. Uh, jump in here at any time. But I will say this, Tammy. Um, we typically associate men with, with, with physical things, and we associate uh, women with more emotional things. And, and I think that, that men tend to shy away from church, not because they are afraid, not because of their lack of manhood, not because they don't want to do God's will. I think that men see the foolishness that goes on in churches, and the average man doesn't want to deal with that foolishness. Men are very simple, uh, and that's generally speaking. I know some of the, some of you ladies out there are probably saying, nah, I know some drama, some drama queen. We're not talking about those men. But generally speaking, men are very simple, right? It doesn't take us a long time to get, to get ready. Again, ladies, generally speaking, it doesn't take us a long time to get ready. For the most part, we, we, we want to go to work. Uh, we want to come home. We want to eat. We want to take a shower. We want to sit back, and we want to watch the game. And then we want to, and we want to have sex, right? That men are just simple, right? But when you go to church, there's a lot of foolishness uh, in today's churches, and and the average man just, the average man doesn't want to deal with it. The average man spots it from a mile away, and so when we see that, it's like, you know what? I can't deal with this. You know, I, I don't. I don't understand why the basket needs to be passed three or four times. I don't understand why the pastor is asking people who are living beneath the poverty line, who are living in the projects, who are on welfare, Section 8, for one, two, three hundred dollar donation, knowing that they are broken. And, and men just, men are just not with that. Men, men are so simple. You know what? Send me to church. Um, let me go. Let me hear a few songs because I do like music, I do like hymns or, or whatever the case may be. Give me the word, give me that, give me something that's going to carry me. I don't need to jump up and, and shout to the top of my lungs. I don't need to dance. I don't need to scream. I just want to want to be fed and I want to go home. I don't need all of the extras that um, that come along with church. I don't want to join this ministry. I don't want to join this club. I don't want to be a part of this. I just want to get closer to God. I want to do whatever it is that, that God says is his will. I want to take care of my family and let me go home. Whereas when when it comes to women, you know, women tend to want to be a part of every single ministry that there is, uh, whether it be the prison ministry, the cleaning up ministry, um, you know, um, the deaconess, you know, whatever the case may be, women want to be involved in in a lot of those things, and 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 we keep hearing, and I know that this is going to ruffle some feathers, 
But we keep hearing that, uh, or at least I've heard um, a number of times, well, the reason why God has called so many women is because men won't step up to the plate. Well, is that what you read in the Bible, the Bible that you say that you read, the Bible that you say that you go by? Is that what you read? Because the Bible that I read, (laughs) every time God, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but every time God was was um, was done with a man, or every time God had rejected a man, or you know when 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 God was disobeyed by man, God always replaced a man with another man. Now that that you know, I hope that anyone no one takes that the wrong way. But I'm just saying that is in the Bible that I read. So so you know, I want to know what the what the callers. Uh, what the callers think about that? What what do the listeners think about that? I see we have somebody on the line, but I'm I'm gonna let you handle that. I'm gonna be a guest. And I was able to get the chat line open, so I'm uh, I'm out there as well. So just feel free to to be the guest tonight. I'm I'm in the chat line. Okay, so what we're I'm going to do is till ten o'clock. How about uh, till ten o'clock Eastern time? How about that? All right. How about that? So what we're and going to do is huh? Say that again, Rodney. And then I'm back on the payroll. Okay. <laughs> well, we're on to where we can, we'll move right along. And reminder to those who are listening um, by phone with us, select the number one if you want to be pulled in with your question or comment. So right now we're going to pull in, and the way that we do this, we'll pull in, pull you in by providing the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits, again, of the number that you're calling from tonight. So let's go to the lines, and we're going to pull in um, 253 area code with the last four digits of 1345. Caller, you're on the air with us. Thank you for calling in. Hey, good evening. This is Gregory from Walking in Her Shoes calling out of Hawaii. How are y'all? Good. Hi, hey, this is a wonderful topic. And, uh, Rodney, you, you hit it. Uh, you hit the nail right on the head when you talk about some of the reasons uh, that men shy away from church because there is a lot of foolishness that goes on within a lot of churches. Um, I recently moved from one church to go to another one, and it wasn't so much the pastor. It was the folk around the pastor that kept up all the drama. You know, we we go to church to hear the word and to be enlightened and to be inspired by God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost, but you can't get all that in when folk are bringing all this gossip in and what they did last night and who this is doing what. So I, I switched, you know, I went to another church, but that meeting with the pastor and the church that I'm with now was a divine meeting. You know, I happened to meet him at a had a ceremony, but our first meeting, I knew that this pastor was different and that, uh, you know, the things that we talked about, uh, sometimes I could be in my office and he would just stop by, not knowing that I had a bad day, but he would, you know, come in and we'd pray together and all that stuff, and it, and it, and it was a good uh, divine meeting. And then eventually I went to his church and joined his church. And I didn't see the same things at this church that I saw at the other church, all the backstabbing, the backbiting. And as men, we, we, we want to get the word and we want to get out. 
you know, we don't want to be contending to to all that drama, but at the same time, we don't want to forsake the gathering of the same people. We have to learn in our church that we have to learn to address things to the leaders of the church so that we can get some of that mess out of the way so that we can get what we come to the church for, and that is healing and 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 being saved and, and you know, all those things that, that we want from God. We have to do that and learn to speak up to the leaders of those churches to get all that other drama out of the way. And, and Ronnie, you, you really hit the nail on the head with that. Well, I appreciate that. And, Tammy, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in here real quick and, and share a, uh, a personal uh, experience. Please do, because was, that was going to be one of my questions. My next question was, what, as leaders, do do men just need to leave the church, or, or should they start confronting things to correct things and get things back in order? So please do share. Well, well, I, I'm going to answer that question. I think that what needs to happen is men need to – I'm not going to say necessarily lead the churches or take over the churches. I'm not. I'm not going to tell anybody to do that. I think that is way beyond my league. Um, but I will say this: I think that men and women need to confront the the foolishness that does take place. If you are in a church every Sunday, every Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever your Bible study is, you have revivals and all of that and you see this stuff going on, whatever it may be. And one thing that God gave all of us is common sense. And I think that we know right from wrong. Now, I don't think that we um, understand um, God all the time, but I think that we at least have a, 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 a good sense of what's right and what's wrong. So I think that when those when those things uh, come up, I think that we need to be wise, but we but we do need to confront that, which leads me to sharing two experiences. So the first one is this. So I want to say around 2000, yeah, it was 2006, and yes, I'm only 32, but <laughs> I, I've experienced a lot of things in my lifetime. And so I was very, very, very into church. Um, pretty much all my life growing up, and it wasn't because anyone forced me. It was more so just because I wanted to. I, you know, it was it, it was just me. And the moment I found out, or at least started to learn who God was on my own and for myself, it was like someone had removed. It was like I had been blind for 23 years, and all of a sudden somebody took whatever was blinding me away from me, and it was like, oh, my God, this is ugly. And what I did was I went to the pastor, and I told the pastor, I said, listen, I can no longer be a part of this church, and here's why. And I just laid it out there. I wasn't I wasn't rude about it. I wasn't nasty about it. But I had to tell him. And this is a man who I have a I, 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 I had a lot of respect for. And I mean, he taught me a lot of things when it when it came to the Bible. Um, he, you know, he he was he was phenomenal. 
thought there were things going on, and I said, listen, I can no longer be a part of this because God has shown me who he is. And so from that moment, I just kind of regressed and just it, – it, it was almost like I felt dirty, like, oh, my God, I, I've been a part of the, this stuff for, for, for this long. And so I had my own personal experience with that. And I'll share another thing with you when it comes to the foolishness of churches. Now, I used to be married. Um, and I remember being married, first of all, to someone who was uh, a lot older than me, to someone who had uh, three children. And I remember dropping out of college because I was trying to be husband and dad, right? And after about a year and a half, I decided to go back to school. And so I was working. I was going to school, right, and trying to take care of three children and a wife, trying to keep everybody happy, trying to make sure the kids stay in line, trying to do everything I could. And I remember just being so exhausted some days because my day started at 5 in the morning and did not end until about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And this was every day. And on Saturdays, I had to be at work at 4.30 in the morning. So I was exhausted. And I remember my ex-wife not even wanting to fix me a sandwich when I would get home in the evening. I ain't no maid. Fix it yourself. You can cook for yourself. I didn't cook anything. And I'm just like, okay. And if I had the strength, I'd go in there and fix me something to eat. If I did have the strength, I just went to bed. But I also remember her calling the pastor and saying, hey, pastor, I fixed such and such and such. You want me to bring your plate? I'm sorry, what? You can you can fix the pastor a plate, but your own husband? I can't even get a piece of lettuce and a piece of bologna or two, between two slices of bread. And so those are the things that men see. Men see their, their wives falling all over these pastors, and the men are like, what in the world is going on here? And so, again, I don't think it's that men don't want to do God's will. I don't think that it's men are afraid of God or afraid of uh, uh, of being in, in, in leadership positions, I think that men see certain things and they're like, "Nah, I can't get down with that." That's nah, nah, I can't, I, I can't roll with that. I, I, I think in, in that aspect, in, in dealing in marriages and different things like that, that's where the communication has to be open and it has to be brutally honest uh, between one another. If that's something that offends you, that she did that for the pastor and wouldn't do it for you, you have to let them know, this this right here, this this is what's going to make us go our separate ways if this continues. Because I'm married to you. I am one with you. You are not one with that pastor. And you have to brutally be honest because once you let one incident go by, then you have opened the door to let many more incidents go by. 
And I just you need to let her know. Say that again, Rotten. What was your answer? You better believe. I'll let her know. Yeah, and then when they continue to do that, that just shows, okay, I'm not respecting what he is saying or, you know, or they're not really into the marriage to begin with. And then you have that other element, that age difference. I'm not sure how much older she was over you, um, but... You know, it's, that is a factor in a lot of uh, marriages and people that I talk to, um, the age difference in, in, in folks. Uh, with women, you tend to, if they're older, they, you know, I'm shocked at what you say because she's older, an older lady, they tend to want to be nurturing and, and loving and, and to, you know, do all that stuff. But when you have the younger woman who happens to be a lot younger than you, it's totally different. The mindset <clears throat> It's totally different. So, you know, there's a lot of factors in that, but the the most important is that communication. You cannot stop that communication. And then another thing I think men fail at is we do all these beautiful things to get the woman, and then once we got her, we stop dating her. And even for me, that was, you know, one of my big problems that I did. I, I got the woman. And then I I stop doing those things that I do. You have to continuously date your lady in order to um, keep everything going, you know. But when we stop that, then you know the relationship becomes becomes kind of stale, and and different things like that happen. So you know it's it's a ride. You know, marriage is something, and and but you have to be a leader in the marriage. You know, you, you know, everybody thinks if I make more money than her, I'm a leader. That that's not true. You don't have to always make more money than the woman that you're with, because everybody has different talents. She might be a doctor. I ain't got the talent to be a doctor. But when you come to this house, I am the chief of surgeons of this house. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So you have to, you have to, you know, let her be that that leader out there in society, if she is a doctor, but when she's home, hey, you know, th- th- this is what we're going to do here. I, You know, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you have to be that head of the household, and you have to you have to set that ground rule from the beginning, and, and then, you know, things will start to fall into place. Um, but it, it is a tough, it, it's a tough deal. Marriage is a lot of work. You know, um, this is Tammy. I want to jump in real quick. Thank you so much. You brought up some great points there. And, and what I got out of, of all of that um, is we t- we're going to try to cover a lot of areas here as it relates to leading. And so that was our, hopefully our area of relationship, um, husband and wife and things like that. So as leaders, being that male, I feel like the, the, this is what my opinion is is that men, especially those who are leading men, men, they should lead in every area. And I mean in leading, be the first to pull that Bible out. We read our Bible in this house. We pray in this house, whatever it may be. And when something, it's like you said, Greg, when something comes up, we don't do that in this house. And now that means, and we'll talk about that later, women, that means we as women need to get with someone that we feel, that we know, even when we don't agree, 
I'm going to leave this on you because that's what you said. And that's between you and God. So we talk about, you know, those scriptures. And, again, we're going to cover every area here. We don't we do not do the butterfly evolution show without the word of God. That's just it. So if you, this is this is not what someone was looking for, then, again, wrong show. Because the greatest leader to me, the greatest, the greatest male leader is one who is allowing God to lead them, who is following God. And so this, this cases is our, our coverage for that relationship aspect of it. And I know the women that I speak to, the women, myself, we are tired of leaving. I am simply tired out. I'm worn out, simply worn out. Um, so let's, let's, anything on that because we have some more questions. We actually have some more callers as well. So, Gregory, anything else you want to add? And thank you. And please tell them you're going to be on, okay, let me get my mind together here. You're going to be on, on the 12th, next Monday, right? Yes, everybody, I will be on uh, January 12th at 8 o'clock Central Time, and we'll be talking about the state of domestic violence in, in America. This is a an epidemic that is, you know, it, it covers all demographics, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, don't care what neighborhood, don't care what educational background you live in. And and just real quick, the one the one thing that baffles me about domestic violence, we, we'll get on Mari and talk about our, uh, who's our baby daddy and all this other stuff, but when we're being abused, that seems to be a big issue that we want to keep silent. And as we know, silence hides the violence, and we have to be able to speak up. But we'll get more into that on, on, on January 12th, and I look forward to uh, talking about the state of domestic violence and, and Rodney, uh, it is good to meet you via radio, and hopefully, you know, uh, we we will continue to do more of these talks uh, together. Absolutely, man. Sounds good to me. Thanks for thanks for uh, tuning in with us. No problem. No problem. I'm always here to support. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to we are looking forward to next week's show. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay, let's Rodney, you up for another caller? Absolutely. I think this is my favorite caller right here. I believe it is. Let's bring in three zero one area codes with the last four digits, one two nine six. Caller, you're on the air with us. Hello. Um, this is Tamaria and you are my favorite host. <laughs> um, Mr. Jordan, both you and Tammy. Um I am just very grateful to have you as a leading man in my life, and just the short time that we've known each other, I've seen a lot of really great qualities in you um, that definitely I could see in my husband in the future, and just in general, a good man that would be a great father to his kids, um, you're a great role model, you're a great teacher, and I've seen you in these various aspects, and I just know that God has definitely placed his hand on your life, and I'm glad that our paths have crossed. Um, that being said, I know you've gone through a lot of different things in your life, and one thing that comes with leading is setbacks and recovery. And I think you're a very resilient person, so I think it would be great for the listeners to hear what advice you have for people when dealing with setbacks in life? Oh wow! Well, well, <laughs> uh, well thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate everything you just said, and, and please know that um, 
I feel the same way about you, and you are just a, a wonderful person. And I get excited when I'm always talking about you and and, and the great qualities that you have as a as a woman. Um, my advice to um, my advice to people is this: you have to remember that it's a cold world out here. No one is going to feel sorry for you, no matter what your circumstances may be. You have to remember that no matter what it is that you are going through, no matter what it is that you have gone through, there is most likely somebody who has gone through worse than you. Um, at, at one point in time, black people were were, were killed if they were caught trying to read and write. We don't have that struggle today. The struggle today is nearly having to kill black people to get them to read and write. So whatever it is that that you may face, um, and this has helped me, because I used to be one of those people looking for pity. I used to be one of those people uh, looking for somebody to, um, you know, just, just be there and, you know, just kind of, I guess, pacify me, and no one would. Uh, uh, one of the people that I'm grateful for is my advisor, former advisor at Norfolk State um, University, um, Dr. Denise Littleton, and I remember um, this woman would put me out of her office for no reason at all. I would walk into her office. And if she saw me crack or smile, she said, Mr. Jordan, get out. And I never understood. I was like, but I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, and she would just, she would put me out. And when I, when I re-enrolled in school, um, she was my advisor again. And she was, she had a completely different attitude towards me. And I said, you know, and I asked her, I said, what's different? She was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you should just put me out for, for peeking my head in and saying hello. And now, you know, you want me to come in. You want me to sit down. You want to talk to me. She said, you're a completely different person. I said, I'm the same person. She said, no, you're a whole lot more mature now than you were at first. But I had to learn that you have to be serious about yourself. You have to be serious about your purpose. You have to be serious about your business. Otherwise, people aren't going to take you serious. And I'm one that um, people who knew me a long time ago, people who knew me growing up, um, many of them thought that I was going to end up in jail. Um, my dad met, uh, ran into one of my former teachers a, uh, a few years ago, and her first question was, what penitentiary is that Rodney Jordan is today? Um, because people – People had those thoughts because of, you know, the things that I did. And I didn't realize at the time that I was acting out of anger. Um, I was very mad and upset about um, different things. Um, like all children, I wanted, you know, to live with my mom and my dad, um, you know, with them being married and us just, you know, being one happy family. That didn't happen. Um, I didn't see or get to talk to my dad a lot when I was growing up. Uh, that angered me. I couldn't understand why, you know, we were poor, why, you know, my friends had, you know, these, these Jordans or, 
you know, whatever expensive shoes were out at the time, and, you know, we were scrambling just to get a pair of shoes from from, from Payless. Um, and so those things bothered me, and, and I acted out because of that. Um, I did a lot of things. I was a class clown because I was trying to be accepted. Um, I got into a lot of trouble, did, did things, I, you know, and, uh, you know, that I just despise today, but I did them. Um, and so those things helped me to relate, but I realized after a while that I was doing them because I was angry. I was doing them because I was lost. I, I did a lot of things because I was confused. I made a lot of bad decisions, but I eventually learned that, you have to just get over it. I know it sounds easy, you know, we hear it all the time, but that that the the sometimes the simple advice is the best advice. You just have to have to move on. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna be hurt, doesn't mean that you're you're not gonna be scarred. It just means that you know what? Either you can sit back and make excuses. Um, I talked to um a parent um uh, of one of my students and she was just uh, I had no idea that this was even coming, but she just told me a lot of things. I mean, and it was just so devastating. And, you know, she, she, but she said, that's no excuse for my child to be uh, carrying on the way that, the way that he does. And, you know, when I hear things like that, it, it just motivates me. It, it, it inspires me um, because, I know that morals and values have not been lost. Um, you know, so many times we, we, we see things on TV, we see people on TV, we live in a bandwagon or society where people are just trying to be seen. Um, you know, we, 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 we had these protests for the last month or so, and guess what? Nothing really has changed. Um, people are still killing people, um, Black young black men are still vulnerable to attacks from from white police officers. Nothing has changed. The laws are still the same um, because there was no vision. Uh, and that's another thing I would tell people: find out what it is that that you want to do in life. That's another piece of advice. Um, and if you don't know what it is that you want to do in life, find out what makes what, where does your happiness come from. It has to come from within. But where does that, that, that happiness come within? Where does it come from? And where do you want that happiness to take you? Map out your life. Write it down. Uh, come up with a, with, with a graph. Do something so that you have a purpose, so that you have a plan. And even if your plan is like mine and never works out the way you plan it, at least you have some sort of guidance. At least you have some sort of direction. Um, so that way you are in a much better position than you were yesterday. Wow. Um, and I say yet, in spite of all of that, you are a leader. And that tells people, our young men, our men who feel like, hey, I cannot win in this world, I cannot win for losing, the game has already been played for me, or whatever you have it. What this says, and what I got out of what you just said, Ronnie, is that no one has an excuse not to be who or what they want to be. There, there are no, there, there's just no room for excuses. And if, and if you still need more, 
and again, go back to that time where, as Wani stated, and we'll get into the book, you know, people fault to be able to get to learn to read. Now we have to make kids want to read. And also in the book, he talks, in his book he talks about, um, or I've heard you say this, um, you know, people fault just to be able to sit down to rise up us and be at the front if they want to see now our kids get on and they want to go straight to the back or the back of the classroom. So there's, there's so much that comes with leading. And until we get our men back, until we help put them back there, which means we got to get somewhere too. We got to find our place and get back to that place as women. We'll talk about that in March. But that means that there's a lot of work to be done. And to go back to the conversation before mm-hmm. this question, if a man or a woman is not following God, and what I mean following, truly seeking mm-hmm. God and allowing the Holy Spirit to change their DNA to make the two one, then we're all going to fail. And if you look around, we are we, we are failing. So we have so many men scheduled for this month and next month. We're all doing great things. And I, I truly believe that the common thing in this is they are, they are seeking God in the midst of it all. So, um, Tamaria, any more? Thank you for that question. Thank you, thank you, just for being uh, who you are to like me, because I know that that behind every great man is a fabulous and phenomenal woman. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anything else? Thank you all. Um, I'll save my other questions for another time so you can get other callers in. But thank you all very much, and definitely a great show. Keep up the great work and keep inspiring. So, Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. All righty. And see how he's just leading and he's making her feel like so special. And that's what every woman wants to know, that they are special and that they are the only one. So, that being said, let's move on before we get on another topic with that. Um, <laughs> I know the topic you want to get on, but we just have a caller. <laughs> yeah, that is our next. We're going to go ahead and pull, pull him in. That's um, my my guy, I would say, my son. Um, we'll pull him in. We're gonna, Brandon. I have you pulled in, but we're gonna. I have some more questions for um, Rodney. So we have a few more minutes to go with Rodney. But I have pulled you in, Brandon. Hi, and thank you for for allowing me to do this to you as well. Uh, thanks for asking me, Mom. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we have you on. Brandon. Hello. I think I don't think I think I cut Rodney off. Rodney was speaking to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, pretty good. How you doing? Good to hear you again. Life is good, man. No complaints here. There you go. Same here. Bless. Well, Rodney, I want to talk a little bit about your books, and then I just have a few more questions, and and we'll we'll get into these because I have you for the rest of the month. I can ask you these questions when we talk with the others. Um. Your book, Tired of Being Black, 
tell me what was life like for you at the time that you wrote that book, and how do you feel society has accepted, if they accepted it, if they did, how? What was the response? Because of the title, Tired of Being Black, which is how we ended up connecting, because I heard that title and I thought, I've got to talk to this person. So <laughs> what was the situation like, and do you feel that um, society has accepted the book? Why or why not? Well, I think those are some great questions. Um, I've been wanting to write a book since I was probably about 20, and I remember talking to an older gentleman that I used to work with um, before I started teaching. Uh, We worked in a warehouse, and he told me to wait until I was, you know, close to 30, um, and that way, you know, I would have more experiences and the book would be that much more effective. And so, you know, I decided to, you know, uh, take his advice, and, and, and I waited. And by the time I wrote Tired of Being Black, I was just, I don't know, frustrated uh, with the ignorance that I was seeing, um, whether it was on TV, whether it was um, on the radio, whether it was with my own eyes, you know, out in public or, you know, just, just different things. And so I was like, you know what, this is the perfect time for me to to write this book and to publish it. And so a lot of the things that I talk about in my book, I think, um, you know, we could definitely, I think it's how a lot of people feel, probably those who are more old school minded, so to speak, um, because, you know, we need to get away from certain things. I, I do not doubt that racism still exists. Um, in fact, I am sure that racism still exists. But at the same time, there are things that we need to do um, individually. There are things that we need to do as a race um, in order to have a, a, a better society. We need to get away from using the N-word. Um, our ancestors were, were, were beaten. They were killed. They were spit on. They were, you know, sexually assaulted, you you name it, you know, when, when that word first originated. And so the fact that the origin is negative, the fact that the origin is a racial slur means that, you know what, we should not be using it. And then I think it's pretty hypocritical that, you know, we don't like when other people use it, but yet we turn around and use it too. That term was never meant uh, as a term of endearment. Uh, it, it was always meant as a derogatory uh, word, and so I just feel now there are people who are okay with the word, people who disagree with me, but I just think that that word, we can find better ways to greet one another and better words to use. Uh, Other things, like getting away from the the civil rights movement, you know, um, like I said earlier in the show, we, you know, we fought for the right to go to school. Now you have to get us to fight. Now you have to fight us to get us to go to school. Uh, same thing with voting. Uh, nobody should have to pump us to go on, to go out and vote. Uh, you know, my my kids were laughing at me earlier today because they were asking about different different parts of the of the civil rights movement, and and, and you know they said, well, you know. They they mentioned black people, you know, sitting in the back of the bus. I said, isn't that something? I said, we only wanted to sit in the front of the bus when we couldn't sit in the front of the bus. Now we can sit in the front of the bus. We don't want to sit in the front of the bus. And it just seems like to me that we only wanted rights when we didn't have any. 
because now we have rights and we're not taking advantage of them. I get that it is a struggle being a black man or being a black woman. I get it. I've been through it myself, still going through it. But at the same time, what is it that you are doing or not doing that you can improve on, that you can change? Uh, There are, to answer your second question, there are um, a number of people that I've talked to, um, ironically, they're all black, who have refused to to buy the book, refused to open the book just because of the title. Um, Many people think that the title makes me a sellout. Uh, Many people want to know, well, what's wrong with being black or, you know, what's my issue with being black? Do I want to be white? And my response to them is that's exactly why I wrote the book, because we just need to get away from these shallow mindsets. We need to open up our minds. You know, the the title is just that. It's just the title. Um, I, I get that, you know, people are attracted to certain things and are not attracted to certain things. But if the book makes you that curious or that upset or whatever the case may be, open the book up and find out what's in it. Because the people who listened, you know, because there were people who approached me and there were some who I told them, I said, you have to read the book. And now those same people are promoting my book because they, they took the time to open it up and they took the time to read it. And so I think that, you know, with anything, we can't be judgmental. We can't say, ooh, tired of being black. Oh, no, I don't want to read that, you know, or, ooh, I want you know, we, we, we have to we have to open our minds up and find out what else is out there. We we can't we can't be shallow, we we, we can't be we can't be narrow minded. Um because change is definitely needed in our society and so we have to be open to it. Okay. All right. I'd like to ask and, and then before we get off I want to make sure that everybody knows how to order your books this week. We may not get to go through the one from the heart of a teacher, but I do have a question for that one. But I do want to ask you this first. Who from the past, if anyone, do you feel was a great leader or who was your leader from the past who do you think was a great leader? Well, um, my personal my personal favorite, my personal uh, uh, leader that I had in my life was my 10th grade teacher, um, my 10th grade history teacher, Mr. Wilson. Um, Mr. Wilson was one of those people who uh, he let me know from, from day one that it was his classroom, that, you know, he didn't care about my reputation. He, he didn't care about the struggles I had in the past. He didn't care about, you know, what I, you know, what I tried to do, what I tried to be. Uh, he didn't care about any of the negatives or the positives. It was you're going to come in this classroom, you're going to sit down, you're going to be quiet, and you're going to learn. And if you can't do that, here's what's going to happen. And, I mean, that man rode me for a whole year. He would, he, he, he would not let up. And I remember having a 69.3 average um, the first uh, grading period. And I went to him and I said, "Man, you can give me that point seven, you know, you know, points that that I need, that seven tenths of a point that I need to get a seventy, so I can have a D. Show you how low my standards were. I just wanted a D." <laughs> so he said, "You know what? If you want anything in this class, you're going to have to earn it." 
I don't care if it is a D. You have to earn your D in this class. And so me and my little smart self, I say, you know what, I'm going to show this dude that I'm I'm really not as dumb as I pretend to be, and I'm going to go ahead and make an A in this class. And I did. And I thought about it after the fact, and I said, you know what, that was his that was his plan all along. He knew what I could do, and he put me in a position to do it. And to me, that is great leadership. It was never about him, but it was about he's getting ready to retire, but guess what? Here's a young man who he can see is lost, and he's going to help this young man find his way. And to me, that is a, a great leader. So he put expectations upon you that he knew you would you could reach. And and what's interesting about what you're saying, um, you said I'm gonna show him that I'm not as dumb as I am pretending to be. And prior previously you mentioned um about how you were reacting or, or feeling from not having those things that like your mother and father together, um, and all those things that look looks right and that every child wants that, that sometimes makes them act out. And that made me think of something you said as a teacher, as I'll go back to from the heart of a teacher, you said during one of our previous shows that as a teacher and as instructors, leaders over our children, particularly in the classroom, if a child is acting out, it, it's, it's not just, you don't want to just go in and, and just put all the blame on that child. You, as as a teacher, as a uh, leader, whatever you call it, you want so to say that you would even want to know the timing, what's going on when this child is doing this. And you, you gave an example of if it's math. If this child tends to get riled up or tends to act out doing a particular subject, maybe he or she does not quite get it and does not want that to come out. And so as I as I listen to you now, as I see the Rodney that I see and being the leader that I know you to be, I can't I can't imagine that child in that place um even feeling that. But we all know we have a tremendous number of children who are sitting in classroom this very day or sat in classroom this very day and will be there tomorrow who will go through these same things, who are acting out because Someone has not put an expectation on them that they truly know that they're capable of, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, because, it, like I said, people don't have to be the CEO of something. We have kids who need to be some great mechanics. We need to have some kids that need to be some great CEOs as well. So I want mothers, I want fathers, I want aunts and uncles to hear this. Help these young people tap into their God-given purpose and their passion, what burns their spirit, what burns their soul, what you see that they are extremely good at, especially our young men, especially. And I'm going to put some more emphasis on that when we get Brandon in because I want to share something. I hope Brandon doesn't mind me sharing this, but something he said to me a few weeks ago and a while back on a, on a show. But there's so, again, I go back to there's such an important importance in men leading in every area. And so I think what we need is some men who are leading to lead some men. And as you said, Rodney, not through your not just through your words, but through your actions, through what you do. Because there's there's a quote somewhere that says temptation is an in, invitation. 
you, you don't have to make a choice to do all the things just because the world is doing them or just because nobody seems to be doing this thing right. I just told Brandon today, his grandmother shared something with me. Do the right thing all, do do the right thing and let God handle the consequences. Hard to do. But if we keep that forefront, maybe we can change. Maybe we can make some things more popular that will make more men follow, more more women follow the right thing, and then our children will have that foundation. But for right now, I think we're all just kind of lost in this place of trying to fit in in areas and places that we weren't designed to, to do and to fit in. So I want to throw some questions out to both of you since we have both of you on and it's a little bit out after nine. Um, but I do want to make sure we stop in time enough for you to get everything out right about how to get the books and so forth because those are the areas I see that you are that you are leading in. Um, you're speaking. You're being the best teacher. You are just great with Tamaria, uh, holding down. You're holding true to your word, and that's amazing. And that's what we need more of. So anything, Rodney, anything else you want to share? Uh no, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear Brandon. Uh, I think I, I think I've said enough. I'm 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 ready to to, to hear Brandon and, and to uh, enjoy what it is that he has to share with the people. Okay, okay. Well, Brandon, well, and we will start. I want you to just tell uh, this. Brandon is my son, my only child, my, my only son. I'll say I can't use the word child anymore. I heard, but um, my only son. Oh. <laughs> And he has, um, I'm very proud of, of this young man. I have a, a many of conversations with, um, well, mainly just kind of one friend. Um, my friend Tonga, we, ha- we have a lot of conversations about just life all together and men and women and, and raising our kids and, and what we, we see so much in them and in our kids, although the ages are so different. But we see such similarities in ourselves which has carried on to our our our, um, our children, my son, her, her her children as well. And so I want to share something. Uh, Brandon, I want you to just kind of tell a little bit, say what, what, what's on your heart to say, and then I want to share something that you shared with me, again, a few weeks ago and then on a, on a show maybe a year or so ago. So tell the audience okay. who you are and if you'd like to know, get to know about you. Okay, um, well, thanks, Mom, for for the introduction. Uh, I love you. And um, I'm Brandon. I'm uh, 26 years old, uh, and I'm a Memphian, uh, which says which says a lot. You know, I just traveled uh, across the country, and and again, you know, me bringing up the fact that I'm from Memphis. You know, people people take two steps back. Um, and so it made me realize, you know, well, what what is the difference between the, you know, Memphis and and just the mentality that we have here, which I think is uh, acutely uh, acutely affected our communities uh, here. But it's also a metaphor for how African American communities are over the whole nation. Um, comparing Memphis and, and these other places that that have much different lives. Um, but I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a a, a public servant in the, in the fact that I work for an organization uh, that tries to help the economic development of urban communities and provide them housing. 
Uh, I'm a board member for the Mid-South Peace and Justice Center. Um, so that's a grassroots organization. Um, I'm a, a cage fighter. I'm an MMA fighter, and uh, I'm a undefeated V3 champion right now. So I'm kind of I'm kind of everywhere. Um, but I'm a very passionate person. I think that's what has uh, given me the little success that I have so far. I'm a songwriter, um, and and that that passion has has permeated not only like my arts and the, the things that I do in life or work or anything like that, but it it it, it permeates the people that I meet. I think mm-hmm. I, I would I would hope so because that's my intention. Um, I try to do good by as many people as I can by everyone uh, without. Uh, giving up my integrity, uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people haven't learned yet. And and it actually some it, it took me a while to realize that sometimes I can't go with certain people in certain places in order to try to quote unquote save them or try to you know show them the light or or, or things of that nature. Uh, but I still had that that passion and that compassion to try to uh, pull people out of that darkness when I see that they have uh, greater potential. Um, so I guess that's a that's a small introduction, but uh, most of all, I'm 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 a man like anyone else, and and my friends and family and other people say, well, how do you do so much, you know, with with just 24 hours in a day? And I say, because it's not just 24 hours in a day, you know, there's there there are 24 hours in a day, but I don't say just 24 hours. I look at it as as that's plentiful. That's a lot of time. You know, yeah, they go by quick, but you'll be surprised at how much time there actually is in a day. So that's how I'm able to balance uh, working 40 hours a week, um, going out of town from my job, uh, training every day, um, uh, keeping my household, you know, intact, still having some kind of social life. All these things can be balanced without compensating your integrity. You can have everything that you want in your life. And I realize this. You can have any and everything that you want in your life if you choose it. And you don't have to give up your soul. You don't have to give up your integrity. You don't have to give up your morals, your 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 uh, your values, what you stand for. And um, and I don't move for money. I, I've been uh, working for the city of Memphis. I've been I've been offered uh, money to help deals go through. You know what I'm saying? Just and I, and and we 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 tell them the same thing. Anybody that comes in those doors, no, you need to get out of our office. And so. And I don't think that's a, um, I don't think that's something that someone should be pat on the back for, but I think it, it's something that should be stated because that characteristic is rare now. I see that people do anything for money. You know, women unveil themselves and show everything that should only be uh, given to their husband. Uh, men will rob each other. Brothers, brothers that may, may have grown up together, rob each other, steal from each other, backbite each other, talk about each other you know, for for anything, for any kind of step up to make themselves look good, for any reason that puts them above another person and realizing that we're equal. And if one falls, you know, we all fall a little bit. Um, so that's kind of what, what I'm about, but I'm I'm interested to hear uh, the story that you have, Mom, and what you said I've shared with you um, because it's, it, it amazes me every time to hear you say that you learned something from me because I learned so much from you. But I think that just goes with iron sharpening iron. And um, I owe a lot of credit, you know, not only to God, but a, a mercy that was bestowed upon me in the form of a great mother um, because I see what that has done in my life. 
and I value that, and I see the potential in these children, and that they can go uh, one way or the other. They can go towards good and righteousness and success, or they can go towards bad and uh, uh, um, sin and, and failure. But it's our job. You know, they were given this world. They didn't make it. And so I, I blame a lot of people that have have uh, stood by and let corruption, oppression, all these things that eat away at us and erode our moral fiber, uh, poverty, inequity. I, I, I blame, in, in a sense, in my heart, uh, many older generations that have uh, that have accepted materialism uh, for oppression. They've accepted. Uh, a job in the house instead of in the field, and and don't realize it realize that it's still slavery. Um, and at the same time, I, I I see the oppression that we put upon ourselves, and how no one can oppress us more than we have already oppressed ourselves. And I see that now. I see that cycle continuing, because I see people who I who I see as my heroes that grew up in those times. I see people that are my heroes that are children that stand up for what they believe in because they still have that pure passion and they are born knowing the difference between right and wrong. We act like that's so taught, you know, but we know in our hearts what right is wrong is, uh, but, but we're conditioned later on and we slowly give up our moral uh, values in order to fit in, in order to have people around us, in order to have company so that we won't be miserable. And I think that's the point that um, that, that really strikes me as something that, we need to change first within ourselves. So much so, I, at one point, I would try to, like I said, quote unquote, save people and be a light unto people, and I would, I would uh, exacerbate myself and 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 go, you know, above and beyond and waste so much energy trying to pull people that I saw potential in, but they looked in the mirror and saw nothing, and didn't want to see anything else. They had, didn't have that desire, and it hurts me to let those people go. But at the same time, I know I got to save my soul and try to be an example. And, and the people that are seeking that uh, that truth, the people that are seeking that light, that want better for their life, pull them together. Because we're wasting a lot of time on on um, on people that have accepted have accepted defeat. And they won't. There's nothing that we can do. There's problems that we can't solve from the outside. There's problems of the heart that only God can solve, and we have to realize. I had to realize that point. Um, but again, that's that's. I went on a little bit more than I wanted to, so I'll turn it back over to you, Mom. That's that's me. Great, great stuff, great stuff. Um, yeah, let me keep it together because this is about to run into tears. Um, first of all, I just want to again reiterate that that. Gosh, I am so proud of this this young man. I'm so proud because you guys. There, he's had every opportunity because I didn't. I didn't make all the right choices. I wasn't the best leader, leading mother. I wasn't the best leading woman. But I tell you what, I had enough sense to do was pray. I had more than enough sense to go to God and thank Him for um, choosing me, this young single mother with this person's life who I instantly knew was gifted beyond, boy, what I could ever imagine. And I knew that I was not going to be the one that that falls back on, that I was going to make sure that he did not become a statistic, 
And so, yes, there there was times I, I mean, I put so much fear in him. Probably, he probably thought I was a crazy mama. I didn't let, I didn't have excuses of, well, we don't have this and the fact that, and I practically pretty much raised funding on my own for, for the part of, mm-hmm. of having um, that person there to, to instruct him and things like that, um, military reasons and, and other things as well. But I was, I was adamant that you will not be a statistic. And to hear him tell you about all the things that he, he is able to do, I never put limitations. I never allowed him to give himself limitations on anything. And if it meant I had to take on two jobs, which I did to support everything, all the many things that he wanted to do, then that's what I was going to do. So I say that to say there are no excuses. I say that to say if you're not the founder of a of a, a company organization, the CEO or something, if you don't have millions of dollars, that does not mean that you are not a leader. You can lead in every aspect. So I wanna don't wanna lose a lot of time here. I wanna go back to something. We did a show a while back with um a lady named Marie Thomas, I think her name was. And it was honoring men, actually. And uh, Brendan called in, and, and one of the questions that came out um, was that what could single mothers do? What could we do for our young males so that we don't, I guess, lead them in, in, astray? You know, because you have you have a lot of single mother, single mothers who are trying to hold it all down the best way they can. And I think some of us try to be mothers and fathers. And so mm-hmm. the question was posed to Brandon, what could your mom have done differently um, or what would you have liked to see your mom do differently? And his answer was just be mom. In the purest way, just be my mom. You can't be both. A mother can't be both. Um, that blessed me. Fast forward again after the conference that we had here last month, December 13th, Brandon said to me, and again, Brandon, I, I did not ask you if I could share this, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, Brandon said to me, Mom, he said, I don't really even know how to say this to you. He said, and I wasn't expecting this, he said, but I can only imagine what you would be like and what you would accomplish if you had someone in your corner to say, I got this. Go do what you have been put here for basically. Go do what you do. Go do what you need to do. I I will hold it down here. And what that said to me was that he realizes the importance of that leading man, the balance that it brings, the support that it brings, the um I guess what I'm saying I don't I don't really think men, whether they're leading or not, for the most part don't truly understand um, how you guys can push, push, elevate women, elevate this world, elevate these children, you are it. And while I sit here and think about women are able to have children, you guys can't, but as I sit here and think about the role and the expectations that have been put upon you guys, you have a hard road, not an excuse, though. God gave it how he wanted to give it, and if he gave it, I'm sure he equipped you for it. And so I want to get to um, 
I want to share those things, and then I want to go back to some of the things that, and I want both of you and Rodney to kind of get in and answer these questions because I'm going to fast forward. I want to get into the leading part, um, males, of course. How, from, from for both of you, how how do you feel or what do you think we need to do as a society, society as women, as men, to help get men back to such a place to where they feel and know that they can lead in every area that they've been put here for? And that's for both of you. Who wants to go first? Uh, Brandon, so you came in last. Sure, sure. Um how can we help young men lead? Is that the question? How can we get men all together? How can we get men back in the forefront to, to, to be in that leading role? Um, how can we get men back to that place where we all help, where, where we push men forward so that they are in that position mentally, financially, physically, having that ability to lead? I think I think we got to change um, our perspective, in a sense, on what is good and what is not, what's cool and what's lame. I think there's a lot of things that are uh, um, very, um, I guess, bad for us as a people and as a as a culture and as a community that we promote as good. We promote uh, some very backward and ignorant things. Um, I don't. I don't think that we have the money behind, you know, to control that and, and push different things of that nature, like media and uh, what we hear on the radio and things of that nature. But we have to stop accepting uh, the stereotype of record label owners and the stereotype of producers for television shows um, or clear channel radio, whatever. We have to stop accepting that as our identity. Because when we accept when we accept that and we we say oh that's another black man he looked like me okay so he's got a lot of money so whatever he did I gotta do even if that's not really what I like even though even though I don't really feel that comfortable about that we have to change what we have to make it cool to have a wife again we gotta make it cool to to hold your family down to put your family before everything we gotta make it cool for families to work together for one end and not be so separate, not be so individualistic, because that's not how we got here. That's not, I mean, that's not how we, that's not how we pro- progress. That's not how over uh, uh, the thousands of years that people have been uh, in existence, we didn't, we didn't progress as civilizations, we didn't progress as communities and as humanity mm-hmm. as a whole, as individuals. We did it as peoples. We did it as, as communities. We did it as nations. So we have to understand that there's a benefit in in, in, in having a, a familial unit, and I think that has been lost. Right now, if you think about it, we appeal to our flesh more than anything, and that's why we it's insatiable. We can't we can't we can never fill up every hole. We can never fill up every uh, um, you know want. You know, and that and we 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 mistake our wants for our needs. And so it's just that perspective, just the change. And, like, for me, it's all about perspective. You know, I always say that, you know, life is only 10% what happens to you. It's 90% how you look at it. It's 90%, you know, how you take it and, and what you do after that, your reaction to it. or your Not really your reaction, your response. 
because a reaction is just is something you don't control. You know, we're very reactive to what we see. We we don't respond. We don't think before we we speak or do. We see a fine girl. Guys, you know, they're already they're thinking about sex first thing. First thing, not not oh man, I wonder if she, you know, is she intelligent? I wonder if I had a child by this woman, could how she would raise my son? Uh, they don't think that's that's the last thing. I'm, you know, what what what's the first thing on a that you hear on a, on 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 the radio at any time? Think about the two stations that that are inside of your city that are black radio stations, and think about what they plan. And we on the radio right we on we on the internet radio right now. But them little the little homies ain't listening to this. I can put a picture of you know, up of me doing all kind of community work. Yeah, that's great, that's great, but who they looking who they looking to? Let me come on the radio and speak about something. Let me go on K ninety seven and talk about something like this. Some people it'll reach. Now let Nicki Minaj do it. Let Will Smith do it. Think about the difference in what those two people were talking about. Not 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 putting one down or lifting one up. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, look what look what we promote and what we don't. Look what we accept and what we and what we don't. So that it's just that perspective. So the first thing when a brother sees a young lady, what goes through his mind? Now think about what should go through his mind that would be beneficial. Because he he's just trying to do something with her for that night, and she's probably down with it and probably pursuing him and his homies at the same time. What does that cause? Drama. What what comes out of, outside of drama? People get killed. We just had a bus shot up here in Memphis on New Year's Eve because two people, what two or three people got in an argument. Two of the people got on the bus, and there was a car in front of the bus, a car behind the bus, and they shot up the bus. The bus had to get on the interstate and go down to the Baptist Hospital. You see what I'm saying? It's just ignorance, and you know it was it was two men and a, and a female. So we we breed. We're breeding drama. We're breeding death. We're we're not oriented towards life. We don't we don't do anything hardly that I see on a major scale and on a um on a regular basis habitually that promotes good health or or anything beneficial to our mental health, our emotional health. Uh, our financial health, nothing. We're living all for ourselves, and that's why we die with nothing. And we and our children have to suffer the consequences of burying your dumb self. And now they're going into the same the same cycle, leading leading nowhere for themselves because they think that's the way to do it. That's all that they've been taught. That's all that they've seen. So I think we need to, re, uh, uh, to reorient ourselves towards the familial unit because out of any people, we are the worst of that, of fathers being outside of the homes, of having two and three baby daddies, mama having to work two jobs, or just collecting a check, whatever she's doing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not knocking my sisters either because there's some women out there like you, mom, that, that had to do what you had to do and it worked out. You know, and they're pro- they're, they were kids raised by kids, and now they got kids. So there's a, there has to be a point where it stops and people look and realize and say, wait a minute, we don't have to accept accept this crap. And and I I don't, you know, I've like you said, mom, I've had every opportunity, 
and I've been in the streets, and I've I've, I've been in those corners to see, you know, and I had to, you know, kind of slip, duck, and move, and 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 choose my steps. And I and and I was I, I peeped it at a at a very early state, and I saw people dying, and I saw people getting locked up, and I saw people getting in fights all the time. I saw people getting suspended all the time. I was like, man, this ain't gonna lead nowhere. But that's the cool thing to do. That's what's that's what's right now. But I don't want what's right now. I just want what's right. And that's what we that's what we we're always looking for the next. We we're like right, okay, yeah, that's cool. But right now, it's like there's nothing else after that. We just need if we focus on what's right, like you said, Mom, let God handle the consequences. And we fear the consequences so much, and these consequences are so finite, whereas righteousness is so infinite. But we want the right now. We want the microwave relationships where it get hot real quick and it's gone. But that's not beneficial for us as individuals nor as people, even though it feels good for the moment. You wake up, you, you, you feel good for the moment, but you wake up the next morning and and you washing extra good because you don't know what she had. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't. Right. And, and I'm and I'm I'm being real right now because there are people dying from this lack of knowledge. Even and they might have the knowledge, but it's not cool to have that. It's not cool to wear your pants on your waist and not look and not look like you know what I'm saying. You you've been to prison and, and you didn't had time with the the top dog up there. It's not cool to 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 go to work. Every day, it's cool to hustle on the street. It's cool to have a rap sheet. It's cool to have done a bit in jail and then got out, and now you're back on the street doing the same thing. It's cool to never move out the hood. It's cool to spend all your money on stupid stuff to wait five, you know, wait overnight for Jordans, but you but you ain't got time to go pick up your son to play ball in the Jordans that you're trying to get for yourself. You see what I'm saying? Our orientation is all whacked out. Right. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to take up the time. Let's take a caller, Rodney, if you don't mind. Let's take a caller because we want to get you guys questions in as much as possible. And, and what we're going to do is pull in the area code and the last four digits. Sorry to have you wait, but we're pulling in nine zero one with the last four digits of zero nine five seven. Caller, thank you. You on the air with us? We have nine zero one. The last four zero nine five seven. Okay. Well, we lost that caller. Okay. Um, okay, Rodney. Um, <laughs> I think Brandon touched on a number of different points, and 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 what I'll do is, is just go to something else, and that is, I think we need to get away from making excuses. I think that. Um, we tend to figure out who we can blame and who we can um, push our uh, situations off on. Um, one of the things that I, that, that I always talk about is um, how women are quick to say that they cannot uh, teach a boy how to be a man. And so that's their excuse for buying their sons these, these expensive tennis shoes, um, spending ridiculously amount of money on them, um, allowing them to be late for school just so that they can go and get the new Jordan, and, and, and just all types of things. Um, but women, you have to remember 
that whether you whether or not you can teach your son how to be a man, you can teach your son how to be a good human being. You can teach your son how to be responsible. You can teach your son how to clean up after himself. You can teach your son um, how to be accountable. You, you you can teach your son different morals and values. You can teach your son how to be a respectful human being. You can teach your son how to, to, to walk around as a decent human being. You can teach your son you know, that he doesn't need to walk around with his hands hanging down. Um, you don't have to feel like you 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 need to go and try to make up for what his father isn't or what his father is not doing. Um, all you have to do is be his mother. Um, trying to play the role of two parents or trying to, you know, make up for something that you feel that he's lacking, it only – leads to trouble in so many cases. And so, um, you know, I think that women need to focus on being their son's mother, not babying him, uh, because I see that a lot where, you know, that's my baby, don't touch my baby, um, you know, just all types of things. And it's like let him grow up. Okay, sorry, you know, maybe you did not have a good experience with relationships. Maybe your experience with his father wasn't that great. But don't raise your son to be the sorry man that you claim that you don't want for yourself. Maybe you didn't have um, luck with relationships. But raise your son up to be the husband that you would want. Raise your, your son up to be the father that, you would want because there's some young lady out here who's going to have to reap uh, your parenting. Either they're going to they're going to reap the good of your parenting, or they're going to reap the bad of your parenting. And, and what is it that you want young women to get from your son? Do you do do you want young women to be hurt by your son because you raised him out of your hurt? Because if you raised him out of your anger because you raised him out of your frustration? Or do you want some young woman to say, man, like, I can't wait to meet his mother. He talks about his mother. He he talks about, you know, how strong she was. Or he talks about, you know, how she did a wonderful job raising him. Or, you know, he's so polite. You know, it's 2015, but yet, you know, he opens the door for me, and I look at all of my friends, and their, their their boyfriend will, you know, pull up to their houses in the rain and won't get out with an umbrella, won't, you know, knock on the door, say hello, girl, get in the car. You know, what is it that you want young women to reap from your parents? And um, I think that, you know, if we get to a point where we stop feeling sorry for our young men, because some man decided to run off on him. Some man decided to abandon him. Some man decided that he wasn't going to teach him the right thing. Some man, you know, decided, hey, I don't want to be a dad, or I don't want to be a dad to my own child, but yet I'm going to go and either get with somebody who has kids and I'm going to be a great dad to, to their children or I'm going to have children with them and, you know, I'm going to be a great dad. Get away from all of that stuff. You can't make people, I know we would like to, but you can't make people do things. 
you can't make people do anything. Yes, it, it, in an ideal world, men take care of their children and so do women. However, we don't live in an ideal world. We don't live in an ideal society. There, there's nothing in place that will that that makes men take care of their children. Granted, yes, men can go to jail for not paying child support, but even that is not going to make men pay child support or spend time with their children. If that man makes that decision, guess what? You have to still be a great parent to your son because eventually you will meet a man, and it doesn't have to be somebody you're dating, doesn't have to be uh, a man that you're married to, but you, there will be a man who would not mind mentoring your son, taking your son under his wing, showing your, your son how a man should be a father, showing your son how a man should be towards his wife. So you don't, you don't necessarily have to worry about those things because those things will be taken care of. Just focus on what it is that you have to do, what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And leave the rest up to God because it will all work out in the end if you do the right thing. There's no sense in, in repeating this vicious cycle where, you know, oh, well, you, you, you just like your daddy. You ain't going to be nothing just like your daddy. You, you, you act just like him. Your daddy won't no good and you ain't no good either. What are you doing to society when you say those things? What are you doing to society? even if you never say them, but you think them in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will eventually speak. So what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're saying with your life? What is it that you're saying with your parenting? Raise these young boys to be men, and that will eventually, eventually produce the better society that we all would like to see. I agree. um we have a caller back on, Brian. Let's see if we can get them in just a quick minute here because I don't want to run out of time. And caller, I'm pulling you back in the same 9010957. So if you don't, if you did not mean to press the number one, just let us know and we'll take you out of queue. 901-540-957. Hey, Tammy, this is Sherilyn. Hi, Sherilyn. Hey, I did mean to press it, and I hit the wrong button. I had my phone on mute, and I was trying to unmute it, and I hung up a while ago. Okay. So. It's okay. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Rodney. Hey. How are you both? Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm real good. And I have a question for you both, actually. Um, first, I wanted to start with Brandon because there was a statement that he had made in the first part of the uh, conversation uh, that really engaged me because I had just had this conversation with somebody recently um, about, you know, black men and how they engage with those who are not where they are in life. And I I wrote just a snippet of what you said, um, and you you alluded to oppression and and we do to ourselves like the worst type of um, it's self-inflicted oppression, and I wanted you to kind of elaborate for me on what you meant by that because you kind of went on into it after you said it in the second phase of your conversation about, you know, and pulling up our pants and, you know, making sure that we don't make cool the things that can destroy us. But I wanted you to, from your 
young mind, but also from what you've been exposed to, what what do you mean by um, our self-inflicted oppression? Um, what I mean by that is, you know, sure, there are uh, systemic and institutionalized uh, uh, values and, and uh, that that are that make America seem to work. Like it's kind of built on that foundation of, of oppression and using, using the poor for, um, you know, man surely feeds the beast, but, but the beast feeds on man. And and I feel like the poor are those people that are, that are fed to that beast. But at the same time, while there is that systemic oppression, it only works if we comply to it. It only gets as bad as we let it. Um, And and we, we, Self-inflicted when we when we buy into it. I'm just trying to get the I guess well, the well, there, there's, from it, it your goes, frame goes, of reference. Mm-hmm. It, I think it goes down from the top to the bottom. For example, mm-hmm. you know when we um, when we like like I said earlier, when we know that we have things to take care of, we know that we ha- we don't have any savings. We know that we're one disaster away from having nothing. We we splurge our money on things that that we don't need. You see what I'm saying? That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's self-inflicted poverty. Absolutely. 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 You know, and, and, Absolutely. And, that, and that takes away from, that takes away what you can provide for your children. That takes away from what you'll have later on just because, just, just for what you want right now. And, and that's what we're not willing to make those sacrifices. Uh, another example, and this is just me, and I know this is a very controversial topic, but uh, we don't promote positive images of, uh, black men and black women the way that they are, especially black women. You know, like like I said, you know, we 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 hurt ourselves, we put chemicals on ourselves in order to look in different ways. And not and not saying that it's 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 totally bad to do that, but we don't get equal sides of a woman just just in her natural form being promoted. We hate ourselves in a sense. We we feel like we have to change ourselves in order to have value. We have to uh, wear this or or be a certain way in order to have value within our community. When we step outside, we'll we'll criticize somebody before we give them a compliment. These are these are different ways that we undercut each other at all times, at every area. To where when I when I'm walking somewhere, I feel different. You know, I, I want to see when I see my brother coming down the street and he looks like me. I want to say, "How you doing, brother?" You know what I'm saying? I'm happy. Like we in the same position. We we both walking down the street. We both brothers. Let's let's have some kind of community. But no, nah, we get we get looked up and down by each other. We look at each other like, oh, is he gonna he gonna pull something? And we, we're we're because we've conditioned ourselves to to thinking that we're bad, that we're inherently bad. And so I think at all times we undercut each other. We self inflict our own oppression. We won't we won't save in order to get out of because that, that's truly what's oppressing us. I mean, I, I read Dr. King's last book, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm he's trying to fight for these rights, but these rights are uh, are all perm, are, are all um, ramifications of poverty. And I see in so many areas how we accept and make a cycle out of poverty. We do things that. That uh, we make things cool that get us locked up, that get us fined. It's a trap, you know. That's, it's called, you know, when people talk about the trap house, you know, when I hear that, I think, man, that's a trap. That's just a setup for you to get, for for the, for you to go to jail. But that's what we promote. We promote the 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 bad. Whereas when 
because um, I'm a I'm a big stickler for music because I I see I see how it affects our children. I mm-hmm. I really see it, and and I'm a I'm a songwriter. I'm, you know, in all honesty, I think I'm one of the best freestylers in in the world. But I'm mm-hmm. so afraid to use that. Um, I'm so afraid to use that because I'm telling you, sometimes the devil will whisper to you so fast you think it's your own your own. Um, you think it's your own thoughts, and they'll be done said something, and that little kid hears you, and it affects them in a different way. They don't understand it that oh, it's just entertainment. No, that's not what a kid hears. A kid does, especially a black kid. You know, we went from from nigger to to Negro to Afro American to uh, uh, African American, black and African American. It's like we're the only people that don't know where we come from, who we are. We don't have a history. We can't look back. Like the Hispanics can go to the Aztecs. We we can't look back like the uh, uh, you know various nations. The Chinese can go back to the Ming Dynasty. We don't have this long paper trail of a history for us to see. When there's ignorance, we say, "Oh no, that's not us. That's, he's not representing our culture." Yeah, he fly, but he a culture vulture. He's a vulture out here leeching on us. You see what I'm saying? We don't we don't recognize that. All our kids see is, oh, I don't see a lot of images of black men or black women. These are the only ones I see. Those those people look just like me. It's it's, it's so when when kids go into a uh, lunchroom, especially in Memphis, I remember coming here. Everybody, all the whites sat in one section, all the blacks sat in another, and it makes you almost fall into well, whatever they doing, I gotta do. And we're not sending it through that filter of is this like I said before, is this beneficial to me or does it hurt me? And, and and we'll oftentimes accept what hurts me just for us to be accepted. And it's mm-hmm. a it's an insecurity that is eating eating away at us. It's eroding our, our family values, it's eroding our moral fiber. Right. Because we feel well, so that, insufficient. Well, well that kinda lends to the next question that I had, too. Sorry. Oh, I'm here. Okay. Okay, Tammy. Those people who are listening online with us, it's 9.53, and it will shut us off at 10 o'clock. But that doesn't mean if you're on if you're on the phone listening, we can keep going. So if you are wanting to stay in on this, because we'll probably go just a few minutes over, so if you're wanting to keep in on this conversation, um, go ahead and call 818 <coughs> You do have to call before this before ten o'clock because you won't be able to get get in after ten o'clock. So if you just want to call the number and then you know listen listen for the rest of the show using that. And then I just pulled in six seven eight eight three three zero. So we'll get you in after Sherilyn's next question. All right. So I just want to make sure for those of you listening on Facebook or on the chat line, you'll have to call in if you're going to continue on after ten o'clock. Thanks. Okay. And and that was. A great um, segue. I just wanted to, and, and I'm, I'm, I understand where you're going, Brandon, and I do. I see a lot of that because you and I do similar things out in the community, and I was a mentor before that. So, but I wanted to ask the both of you, uh, and even when you talked about your music just now, but this question is for both you and Rodney as leading men. What is your, um, I guess, intentional role out there in the community that you both live in? Uh, in promoting um, leadership in the young men that you encounter? What what do you do intentionally every day? Because one of the things that I am, I guess, a little concerned about being a woman um, and, and seeing so many young black men who don't have someone to lend even the slightest 
as Brandon said, you're walking down the street. You don't know if you should speak or not. But my thing is take the risk, say hi to the young man, engage him some kind of way, you know, something. But, you know, like I said, I'm not a man. But I'm asking the both of you, what is your, I guess, daily philosophy or mantra or actions that you live out um, that would allow you to make a difference in the lives of those young men that you're talking about? Rodney, I think you should take this one first. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, well, for me, this is a, this is exactly why I went into teaching. Um, well, actually, Rodney, I wanted to ask you to do me a favor because I knew you. I thought Exa um, Brandon was going to go first, but I wanted to say from a non-teaching role. I'm talking about when you're in uh-huh. the Kroger, when you go pick up your dry cleaning, when you're at the mall. I'm not talking about as a teacher, per se because I think you're a teacher everywhere you go, and it's the life that you live, but I'm talking about as that leading man outside of the role that you play in the classroom. <laughs> uh, well, well, let me say this. It, 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 it is hard for me to get outside of my role uh, as a teacher, and, and and the reason why I say that is this. I'm a teacher wherever I go. I, I am a I, I am who I am no matter where I am, and so for me, the same practices um, that I have in the classroom, I have outside of the classroom. And so, for me, whether I'm whether I'm at a restaurant, uh, whether I'm just walking down the street, whether I'm going to get the mail, for me, I, I am that leading man. Um, and so, what I what I intentionally do all the time is any any opportunity that I get to um, to teach someone anything I do that any any opportunity I, I get to just listen and learn myself I do that because um, I'm a very humble individual so I don't have to always be the one talking I don't have to always be the one who is teaching I I, I enjoy learning as well and so that that is my example to other people that hey it is not about you it's not about you know your agenda it's not about what you're trying to accomplish because just being silent for 20 seconds could be the difference in somebody else's life and so that's the example that I always try to set and I remember somebody um, that I used to work with a long time ago he said one of the things that I appreciate about you is that no matter who the person is no matter where they come from no matter what their title is their status doesn't matter gender it just doesn't matter. He said, you always have time for people. And he said, and you can tell that you are just genuine when you're engaging or, or in a conversation or interacting with other people. So I try to be um, who I want other people to be because I don't know who's watching me. I don't know who's listening to me. I don't know who's paying attention. So I try to be the role model that, I want to see other people model. I like that. Okay. Well, and so you're um, being intentional in that, um, setting a good example all the time, everywhere you go, and, again, not just in your classroom. Absolutely. And I'll say this real quick before Brandon responds. Um, There there are a lot of things that uh, that, that I have seen that, that have just, to me, have been funny. But I don't always share them on 
on social media. I don't always share them on Facebook because they have profanity in them. Doesn't mean that I don't use profanity. No. Doesn't mean that I don't listen to people when they're using profanity. No. It just means that as a professional, as an example setter, there are certain things that I refrain from doing. It doesn't mean that the people who do them uh, are wrong or there's something wrong with them. It just means that to me, I think that you have to know that there's a time and a place for everything. And I don't want my good to ever be evil spoken of because I'm putting things out there or because I'm saying it may be funny to me or it may be something that I'm like, ooh, like I like I just want to share this. But I have to use wisdom. I have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I can't just necessarily say, ooh, let me just put that out there just because I think it's funny because somebody else may not think that it's funny. Hey, Brandon, before you answer, yep. I want to make sure that 678, you know that you're in queue with us, 678-8330. So if you don't mind, because that was one of the questions I had to, I wanted to end with, I also want to add to what Sherilyn asked, how do you remain motivated in doing that, you know, doing that day-to-day um, leading. So 678-8330, you're on, on with us if you want to go ahead with your questions. Uh, yes, I'll. Uh, I, I want to ask the question. Then I'm. I, I, well, first I'm, I'll give what I think is the solution. I'll try to be very quick. The solution basically is older, older black males. Older black males, and please don't take this wrong, they're pretty much lazy, and they're focused more so on ladies than they are on boys and male. Uh, the only people who I've seen since I've come back to America in 95, 96, have been black women helping black boys. So where a lot of this problem comes from the church all the way down to the secular, when you go to churches, most of them, you don't see strong male programs. You see strong women programs. Because black males, for some reason, they have this ideology that, Everything is about the lady. Everything's about the lady. So the boy becomes obsolete. When you look at bar mitzvahs and Jewish culture, Latin culture, even though those are not our culture, they make their boys feel prideful. They make their boys feel like they're involved with the community and what have you. Too many times when you interact with church individuals, the boys cannot even get any type of manhood lessons because the older male is concerned with the women might think. And that isn't to bash the women, it's to basically say this. All these problems we have in our BC, our black community, is male issues, young male mostly. Yeah, there are women who do wrong, but it's mostly the young guy holding a gun and a bag of drugs thinking he needs to feel empowered in some type of way because he really don't want to go back to where he's at. So he got two pieces of power, this gun and his penis. But there's no male really telling him to feel anything. Yes, we have some professionals that say things here and there, but that's very hard to to combat when he goes back to the reality and his home teaching is telling him, do this for a woman, do that for a woman. And he grows up an angry individual because he's doing all these things and nobody ever told him what he should be receiving as a male like they do in Jewish culture and Latin culture, machismo, la familia, whatever the case may be. So the solution, and if somebody missed it, is basically this. Older males really got to get off of this thing of 
I got mine, you need to get yours. They need to create these little $50 websites, and if you're an engineer or you graduated from the uh, Marines, you need to teach these young dudes how to pass the test so they can come up. Don't let the information die with you. And my question out to the entire panel is simply this. I personally feel that young black boys will pretty much be either eradicated or gay by eh, two decades because the way we're going, the boys are not edified in any type of way. You can see it from this generation alone. But my question is, uh, how do we get people in spiritual walks to create avenues for boys? I know ladies do it. I, 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 I volunteer for two places right now, and they're ran by women, not by black men. Black men mess up the money, steal the money, whatever the case may be. So how can we get a lot of these spiritual organizations, not yours personally, but just some of these other ones to get off of the, you know, really put the solution forward as far as helping these young black males, maybe even create some scenarios within their church, because there's totally, for every 10 churches you guys know, I'm quite sure there's only maybe one or two that has anything for black boys specifically because the black older males are failing, period. That's my question. Wow. I want to first just say, this is Tammy. I want to first, I have that same question, and I say this from total experience, 901 Evolution, which is designed for the young boys and 901 Butterflies is for the young girls. Years and years and years on top of years, I ask men, take this on. Go grab our young boys and do this. Do 901 Evolution. Went to churches with it as well ran into young black men, when I say young, 21, 22, 23, who said, we will do it. And when I tell you, they took it, they're doing it, and they're running with it. But they're 22, 23, 24 years old. They need, now, we're so thankful for what they're doing, but we as parents, we see where they even need older black men or churches to step in and grab hold and help them because they're needing what they're trying to give. So I have that same question for everybody. And everybody's still on. I, I kept everybody in. Yep. Uh, we still have quite a number of callers on. So please, everybody, you know, just go with that. Can I? Um, I would like to kind of take this one first, and I just I don't I don't know if I have the solution, but I have a suggestion on how to uh, get males more involved in let's just use uh, Christianity in, in, in churches. Um, and I think it is to appeal. Think about it when you go to church. What's the main appeal? You know, I, in, in school I learned about appeals. You know, ethos and logos, whether it's a logical appeal, ethical appeal, or an, or an emotional appeal. And when I when I would step into a, a a church or something like that, it was always an emotional appeal. And and think about it, who, who is that more who is that more engaging for? That's more engaging for a woman, a woman who's usually very in touch and more emotional dominant. Not saying that women don't use their brains. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they're more emotionally moved quicker than a man might be. Whereas a guy, we're if if it don't if it don't make mental sense, we we cast it out almost immediately. At least that's what I do, and then my my emotions kind of come second. They kind of come after that. After my mind goes, after my mind is stimulated, then emotions come. Um, and so when I when I would go to these these uh, religious institutions, I would always see emotional appeals. But I'd be like, okay, where's the substance? Okay, yeah, you hooting and hollering, you singing, you jumping, you doing all this. That's great, great. Um, but 
what does it say? What does the word say? How does it make sense? How does it apply to my life specifically? Without without you screaming, yelling, and hollering and all that. Because think, I told, I told, um, I think I might have told my mom this at one time, and I probably got smacked in the mouth for it. But I said, you know, mom, when you get mad or something, if you if you're waving your hands and and you're mad, your eyes are big and you're yelling. All I'm seeing is all I'm seeing is you wilding out. I'm, I don't hear a thing you're saying. All I'm seeing is, huh, she's really excited. Man, she's really mad. You know what I mean? And, that, yeah. and, and that's just me. So I was, I, And I knew that I was halfway listening, so I know I'm a, if I don't hear what she's saying, then I'm going to be, be in trouble two weeks from now anyway. So it, it's better. It works a lot better for me when I was sat down and I was talked to. And, and, and she showed me, you know, this is right, this is wrong, and this is why. You know what I mean? And so when I go when I go to churches, give me some substance. I'm come I'm coming there I'm coming there to be spiritually led and you leading me like I'm a woman. You see what I'm saying? At the same time I, I need meat I need meat and you giving me milk. This is Ronnie and, and I got and I'm gonna jump in here because Brandon, you, 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 you pretty much took the words out of my mouth because I was sitting here um, I wrote down um, everything the caller said, and I, uh, I wrote down the question, uh, paraphrase, of course, and, and then I started writing my response. And, and my response is this, uh, because, again, I, I am no stranger to church, and so I I heard this all the time growing up, you know, what appeals at church? How can we get men involved at church? How can we get more men to come to church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Men want something that will sustain them. Men want something to keep them. You don't have to jump through hoops or anything else. And like I said, going back to my, my comments at the beginning of the show, keep it simple. When, 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 again, and this is general, when I come to church, I don't need all of the extras. I don't need all of the, the, the extracurricular activities. I don't need all of the clubs. I don't need all of the organizations. Because let me tell you something. When I was younger, we had, we formed a rap group in our church when I was in high school, right, because that was supposed to draw us young men in. I was in high school. My brother was in high school. My friends, all in high school. And this, was, this is how the church this was the, 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 the church's idea. We're going to draw. We're going to find something for the young men. What well, their music, you know, they're, 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 they're talented when it comes to music. So let's let them use those things. But, you know, they're going to have to do it our way or, or whatever. But we, had, we formed our own rap group, and, man, people loved us. Older people, younger people, people loved us. We got invited to so many churches, right? Guess what? That did not keep us in church because what happened as we got older the group started to separate some of those guys kept doing music but it turned uh back into you know secular music it was no longer about the church but guess what guess what kept my relationship with God it was God's word if you we 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 spend so much time trying to come up with all of these extra things just give people God's word, because guess what? If God's word is not enough, what is? 
because you can't play basketball when you get to heaven. You can't have all of these all of these extra extra groups and extra activities going on in heaven. That stuff does not exist there. You draw people with God's word. You draw people with the truth. My kids, I'm tell, they they love coming to my classroom. Guess why? Because when they come to my class, they're not getting all of this foolishness. They they may they they call me mean sometimes and all of that. But guess what? Guess where they love coming? Christmas time. Guess who gets all the gifts? I do. Get birthday. All of that because those kids appreciate. While sometimes they hate hearing no, sometimes they appreciate that somebody is just giving them the raw, uncut truth. Look here. If you don't succeed, here's what's gonna happen to you. Here's the truth. Here's here's why your parents are no longer living in your country. Here's why your parents brought you to the United States. Here here's what's gonna happen to you if you don't get an education. And I don't sugarcoat it for them. And guess what? They they are always asking me questions. They're always hanging around my door. Why? Because they are getting the truth. They're getting something that, hey, even as a sixth grader, if I don't understand it today or don't fully comprehend what what you're saying, deep down inside, they know that it is something that is going to carry them on. Yes, you look at look at, that, look, at look at football. Those things, even the guys who are the most successful. How many of them go broke? Why? Because they put all of their energy, all of their time into this, to this secular thing, to this worldly thing, and guess what? They don't realize that at some point you're going to get hurt. At some point, old age is going to take over. And you might not have to do the same. Might I offer this suggestion on, on that as well uh, that you just said? The only issue, not an issue, the thing I would add to is that uh, – application of the word because as the first gentleman spoke men men really gravitate toward action oriented things uh which is why you know they go for sports and whatnot uh application of the word is missing in a lot of young males minds because i quote this uh and this isn't a good quote. This is just a powerful quote. Uh, this pimp who claimed he came to God, he said, you know, the funny thing between people in the streets and people in the church is consequences. He said, because people in the streets know, and this guy kind of goes with what the second gentleman said, people in the streets know when you do a certain thing improper to the laws of the streets, there are consequences, and these consequences are dire. When people in the church have consequences according to the word, it's kind of a wavy line. I had a speaking engagement one time in a dating scenario where I said to a bunch of people, I know a lot of people get divorced because they grew apart. Can somebody show me where that is in the Bible? I'm kind of lost. And that's where it gets funny sometimes, is that in in spiritual realms where Christianity, Buddhism doesn't matter, people do not apply what they say they believe. And these little boys see it. So the the unfortunate thing is when you got Crips and Bloods and all this type of stuff, they come under the guise of family. Hey, we all about teaching you something and, yeah. you know, we're going to protect you. But when we go to the church, we're told one thing. Do this, but I'm not telling you why. I'm telling you to fear something, but I'm not telling you how to do action in your life once you go home. And then a little boy goes and sees one of his parents flip out in the parking lot because they can't move that fast to get out of the parking lot, and we just came out of church. So I would say it's a lot about application. I feel sorry for the young men. I feel that we, as black males, are doing them a disservice. Um, 
I feel that we've turned into complainers. I know I'm bashing black males right now, but I'm a male, so it's okay. But I think I think we've turned into a lot of complainers, we as black males. And every time I talk to somebody in a group, their main focus is women, 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 women. We got to uplift the women. I tell dudes, man, look, ladies are already defeating you on so many economic levels. I don't even, I can't even count. When do you turn to the little boys and say, hey, I'm a graphic artist. Would you like to intern with me and learn what I do and get a certification? Or I'm a, I work at the county. I'm going to go to my boss and say, hey, look, uh, uh, which is what I do personally. Hey, look, I want to intern these uh, dudes in doing billing or whatever the case may be. They're not going to touch no actual numbers. I'm just going to show them the process and whatever the case may be. And if we can do nothing more than say that they were affiliated or did four months or six months here, then that will help their resume. It just seems like as black males, we, 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 we talk a good game, but it's really the sisters that are sitting up here creating these things for not only their their younger sisters, which is why I think younger ladies are killing uh, uh, these boys, but it, it's like they're doing it for the boys too. So I don't know, man. I, I feel really disenchanted with the whole black male experience here in America, and I think it's going to be gone in two decades, but I hope that I'm wrong. Next, mm, so Carlo, what's your age? What's your age uh, range? If I may add. 42. 42. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I, I want to add, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, piggyback what he said because, you know, I've said this to you, Mom, before, you know, I never, I never, the people that I saw that actually showed me love, like, were the pimps. Those are the people on the street that showed me the love. It wasn't the police officers, the lawyers. It wasn't the principals. It wasn't. It, it, those weren't the figures that came to me and were like, okay, I'm going to show you what this is. I'm going to show you how I make a living. I'm going to show you, you know, how to do things the right way. Maybe if it's not right, I, I'm going to show you how to do it the way that was right for me, what made it work for me. It was always the pimps, the drug dealers, the hustlers, the stick em up kids, the guys that went and robbed people. I'm like, oh, I'm about to go get him. And then they come back with $1,000. And the little kid sees that. You know, and nobody else is coming to them. And it makes me think, you know, I hear the words of Tupac, you know, you know, even though they sold drugs, they showed a young brother love. And so, like, I see so many times, you know, we we have this idea of role models. But, you know, really we should be real models because the role models ain't in the community. These are people they see on, on TV. We We've let them raise our kids. We've let them establish the culture standards. It's not supposed to come from the top down. It's supposed to come from the bottom up. And we've let go of that. We've let go of the reins of our own culture. So you know, I, I, I can't I can't agree more. We gotta be real models more so than role models. We gotta let them know this is where I fell. I'm not perfect. This is this is the hole I stepped in and look what it cost me. Look what really happened. It's embarrassing and as as much as I hate to tell you it, I don't want you to fall on your butt in the same spot. You know, so. Here's the funny thing you said about the pimp, the, the whole pimp era. When you guys think about the movie Claudine back in the day, about a guy who was already working, had a good job, and he married a woman with like six, seven kids, which was a standard back then. Black males did that a lot. But here's something that's funny. The day, the era of the pimp, 
they kind of sort of were the ones who say, hey, be romantic toward these females. Treat them like something. Talk to them like something. Like try to be something and whatever the case may be. Even though what he was doing was totally wrong. And along came this this time in music, which I always refer people to because I'm a little hip-hop historian. I said the very first disc record was a disc record about brothers, 1983, Roxanne, Sunshine, Brothers Ace. And, you know, too short, nobody was calling women out their names, but you just had three years of dogging brothers out while they were singing love songs to women. I need love, and even Schooly D had a love song for women. And it's like, I, I just don't understand how then you 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 put those people in those mentalities, and then you come back and say, but at the same time, protect us, honor us, and cherish us. So the only caveat I have for the ladies of that time and older, evidently it's not working. These boys are more feminized than white folks and Asian folks. And, you know, the HIV for, because I work in medical, the HIV for these boys is out the roof. And I just don't see too much of a comeback. I see these boys going way out. So unless these older males get involved and, we stop having these Coach Carter lean on me moments where some guy does try to come to the school and make a change, but then there's somebody trying to stop him in both movies, which are actual depictions of what really happened in both real scenarios. We got we got to stop that. We got to stop trying to stop dudes from helping these dudes be better and not hitting women or hating women or hating themselves. I, I don't know. That's just my suggestion. I'll be quiet now. This is Ron, and I'm going to jump back in here real quick. Um, um, I, I want to read this from the chat room because it came so long ago. I, I'm, I don't think we ever got to it, but it's uh, it's from uh, uh, Mr. Gregory Jones, who was on with us earlier. And it says, one of the things to bring men back to the forefront is we must work together as a family, as one unit, and support one another. Men must support their wife, and women must support their husbands. And when we make mistakes, we cannot be so quick to give up on one another. Um, and that came, um, that came be- before uh, before the uh, ten o'clock hour. Um, and so, Carla, one, one of the things that, that that stood out to me um, that what you said is application. And, and I won't be long, but I'll just say this: I, I think uh, part of the problem. And solution would be knowledge and education, and I think the other half of that problem and solution is is application. And so, we need to first educate um, ourselves and educate one another, and then we need to teach each other, uh, or teach younger men, or teach whoever is lost or, or who needs the guidance, um, because sometimes those who follow you might be older than you, um, and that's okay too. But we need to, to to teach people how to apply. There's no sense in in, in giving anyone um, a wealth of knowledge and then not tell them or show them uh, what to do with it. And and that's my two cents. You know, you guys, this is Jimmy. I want to, um, as we get ready to bring it to a close, I know it's late for some of you on the Eastern time zone, um, it goes back to that Proverbs 1 and 8, particularly for our young males, I believe, I believe, and I stand on, and I think the caller hit it. All of you um, have hit, the nail, hit, hit it right on the nail. 
but when we talk about older um, black males leading and, and showing our young men and women, but focusing on our men, how to do it. I go back to that Proverbs 1 and 8, my son, hear the instruction of your father. That is what these young men need. They, might, they don't only need to hear it, they need to see it being lived out. Not a perfect man, but like one of you said, when, when you mess up, look, say, look, I fell in this hole and this is what I did and this is why, and show that young man what not to do and how to do. We don't have enough of that. I was reminded when he said that of the person that I went to the same place for the most part to get my, my, gas, my gas and my car, an old white male to this day still touches base with my son, son, still asks me, how is he doing, still brings up the moment when he got my son out of the car and showed him how to, ch- how to check my oil, how to check my tires. It's just, and I was just in awe. You know, but here, here it was, and when I say old, he was probably at that time 70 at that time, and he's much older now, still living. He remembers that day, still asking me, is Brandon doing this and how is he doing? But Brandon will never forget that, and neither will I, because a man instructed him and told him, son, this is what you do and this is why. So we need more men to stand up and do that who look like those same little boys that look like them who need that instruction. And, and, and mom, you know, I just got back from this trip to California and those, those things Mr. Bradfield taught me that day actually helped me on this trip. You know what I mean? And and so that, that, that that gift, that gift keeps on giving. It, It really does. You know, and that's why I keep saying, you know, we have to be those, those those real models and, and one one other thing that I would like to add that I notice within our communities is that um there is a lack of pride. There's a lack of pride of, of our people as a whole and ourselves and that's why we try to cover those wounds and those insecurities up with materialism, with things that we can purchase, things that we can consume. But where true pride is and I've learned this from uh actually from going to Mexico and seeing how, how the people there uh live and how they function together, true pride is in producing, not consuming. That's 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 what's true. When when somebody makes something and even if it's so so little as a piece of music, a piece of art or or a um a new invention or growing growing food or whatever, you make cabinets, you fix whatever it is, but you make something, you produce something. There's a special kind of pride that comes with that. There's a special sense of accomplishment. And we are tailoring our children, especially our males, and even our females too, um, to to be consumers, to be the the, the puppet of advertisers, the puppet of clothing companies. You know, I see people with Nike checks uh, put into their into their uh, in the back of their heads and their haircut. Like you, you ain't getting paid for that, brother. Like you know, it's somebody that get paid to wear a Nike shirt. But here you go, buying it. And, and, and getting nothing from it or, or putting it into your head and, and getting nothing from it. So we have become consumers, and there's no pride in that. It's, it's, just, like, it's just like empty sex. As soon as you're done, you you like, well, that I, I shouldn't have did that. You regret it almost as soon as you do it. It's the same thing. People spend that, spend that money, and they come back, and they're like, dang, I hate I did that, but these shoes fresh. 
You know what I mean? We don't we don't produce anything, and, and and I really think a big source of a lot of the problems that come from us are the fact that we are not, um, we cannot, we have no pride. We can't provide for our own families. Men dip out because they're so sucked mm-hmm. up in consumerism to where they can't. They, they look at themselves like, man, I, I, if I stop spending money on this, then I ain't gonna be cool no more. How I'm gonna take care of Shorty? I'm not going to be accepted no more. This is what I banked my whole life to be. This is what I've accepted as true since I was since I was coming up from a little guy. How am I going to take care of these kids so they run away out of fear, out of cowardice? There's we we have no control of our communities. We have no control of our households. We're all one disaster away, or as a community, we're one disaster away, and that needs to stop. We need to become producers again. There's no reason why we should not leave something for our children for them to grow upon. I hear stories from white kids. Their dads left them, and this is small numbers, $40,000 to them. That's small for their fathers to leave after passing. And sometimes the father's still alive, giving them a house so that they can start. Can you imagine that? Not as a, not as a young black man. I don't know too many people who, who even have fathers in their life. We don't have those examples. There's There's so many... There's so many holes in our puzzle to where we are not seeing the bigger picture. So I think we need to close up some of those holes. Okay, you guys. This has been fabulous. And I wish, I mean, I wish I could go on and on. We still have people out listening um, to to the caller. I know that you're from the 678 area code. I don't don't know the number, but thank you. And and I hope that you listen again. Um, It sounds like you're doing some great things and, we are opening up our our leading men um, series through the month of February. So if you got something you want to share, um, something that you're doing, I think you're in Atlanta from the six seven eight. Uh, we have a, a great number of listeners from that area. So if it's something that we can help you promote, uh, share, please feel free to to let us know. Contact either myself or Rodney. Um, and we'll be glad to get it on for you or, or just have you on to talk about what you're doing as well because this is what it's going to take. I, I appreciate your um, your firmness in saying what, you, what you're saying, and it kind of goes back to what you all are saying. It's going to take some real talk. It's going to take some words that hurt, that make people think, and then make them act upon that because if, if – I don't care what you are, man, woman, whatever. If you're not leading in your area, if you're not leading as a mother, leading as a father, leading as a husband, leading as a wife, then how dare you go outside? How dare you go out and try to get someone else to do it that cannot see it manifesting in your life? So, and we touched a little bit on that early in the show. So I commend you all. Um, Rodney, you know, thank you. Can't say enough for you getting a part of Butterfly Evolution show. Brandon, you know, you're my my one and only, but even if you were not, I'd love you so, 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 so much, even the more. Um, and I just thank God for the young man that you are and what you continue to work to be. And, and that, um, I, just, I just cannot give God enough thanks and praise for that, and you as well, because it takes some doing on your part. So keep that up. Be the best man that you can be and always honor God. And that's just coming from Mama. That ain't coming from Tammy Butterfly Evolution. That's Mama talk. Be the best you can be and always keep God first. Um, Thank you, Ma. I'll accept that only if you pat yourself on the back, too. I'll accept that compliment. (laughs) 
I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> um, so next week we have um, Gregory from, and he is the founder of Walking in Her Shoes. Um, all of these things we talk about, we talked about tonight. I feel in some way lead can lead to not always and not be reason and certainly not an excuse, but lead to enough anger to make that to 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 increase I think domestic violence. So walking in her shoes is about um, about that domestic violence and it happens on both ends. So we're going to bring him back and then we have um, Gary who is going to talk about Backstreet to Happy and that's the book that he. He wrote, and it, it was geared or written because his sister um, is a cancer survivor, and when they were going through that whole process, it led him to write about it. So it's some great things that we have going on. And that, that's what I mean by leading, taking your story and allowing it to be, see it as your glory. Because if we all wanted to make an excuse, we all could have one. So men have no no way out for saying, well, hey, I went through this, or because I'm black and because the system has this for me. No. You're all examples of that That does not work unless you want it and you give in to it. I heard someone say today, and I wish I could, could remember who it was to give the credit to, but it was saying life doesn't happen to you, it happens from you. So we allow all these kids all these excuses, we allow all these older men excuses, we allow women to have excuses, but we can't because of this, really. Because I know some people who came through slavery that made some changes, that lived their life. And so we got to stop with the excuses. And as leaders, you as men, women, whomever still listen, listening, when it's not happening, when people are not doing right, particularly in the church house, like Rodney said, he went to that pastor and said, I can't do this church anymore. Call people out. People are so not used to being called out with the truth. Whatever they do with it, hey, it's on them. But what I found, when you tell somebody, when you don't let someone off the hook, they either move, they move which direction is up to them. They move away, they move too. So let's deal with people in honesty and truth. When you see some men out there not playing their role, not doing their role, tell them. Don't roll with them. Tell them, you need to go get your child. You need to go spend some time with your child. You need, you're married. You need to go home. Same with the women. So that's leading. That's not giving in to who you are and what you stand for. So let's, let's practice that a little bit. Um, and for all of us, for me, if you're going to lead, then, and then I, I hope that you're following God. Not just going to church. Not just reading your Bible, but you have a spiritual relationship and have allowed your life to change through that relationship and because of that relationship. So that's what I want to say. I want to thank all of you. I want to thank all of you, all of you leading men, all of you in whatever capacity, whether it be, again, the CEO with the six figures or the guy who, who's directing traffic and has led his family like he's supposed to, is doing what he's supposed to do, whatever that is. So that's that, that's my say. I'll end it there. I want to give you guys say what you you know what you have to say, and then we'll go ahead and close it out. So again, I know it's uh, almost twelve o'clock on the eastern end, and we have a teacher on the line that needs to be able to go to those kids in the morning. <laughs> Teachers don't go to bed; they take naps. I keep telling you, we we don't go to sleep. <laughs> so y'all give us some final words here. Give us some good thing good things to take back. 
I'll let Brandon go ahead and 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 then I'll and then I'll say something. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, Brandon. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, can we you? hear you. Yes. Okay. Um, I said I I agree, and I, I would also like to to leave people uh, with a sense of accountability, with um, a notion towards accountability. Because, like you said, Mom, when you when you hold people accountable, they move in one direction or or the other. And and I promise, I promise you all that our communities, our our policies in our cities, uh, from from the, the local level to the state to the federal, that oppress us, they're only as bad as we allow them to be. And and I have and I have proof of that. Last week or a couple weeks ago, actually, um, three three or four weeks ago. Uh, me and some people from the Mid-South Peace and Justice Center saw the things that were going on with Eric Garner, with Mike Brown, and all the all the police brutality and the lack of checks and balances of accountability for police officers. And we went to our senators. We went to our congressmen. We went to their offices, met with them, sat down with them, took steps uh, beyond picket signs, beyond social media posts, beyond uh, uh, even rioting or whatever, what have you. We we took it to the to the level that no one thinks we'll take it to, which is going to that person, holding them accountable, recording what's going on, and out of those conversations came uh, like one of the people that we went to was Steve Cohen, um, who I've invited out to, for, for for other events and checked and checked them and said, oh, you did this wrong, you know, we voted for you, we we want you to we holding you accountable. Out of that meeting a bill was introduced and was on the front page of Commercial Appeal today. And, and that just showed me, it says, well, well, to me, what if we never went? What if we said, oh, they don't, they don't, they don't give a damn about us. They don't care. Why, why, why are we going to even try to do anything? You know, that defeatist attitude that I see so many brothers have as if they are the product of their environment and not the opposite of their environment being a product of them. Like you said, life, you know, um, doesn't really happen to you. It's really what you what you push for it. Um, I read a book called uh, called The Alchemist, um, and has a lot of symbolism in it. Um, and uh, it, it basically says that the universe concedes to to a person who who truly pr- pursues. Uh, so, and it's it's, in, it's it's a a note in my in my spirituality. If I take one step toward God, He takes two steps toward me. If I walk towards God, He runs towards me. But that does not happen. No, and, and you can replace. You know, God comes in many forms. Uh, success and 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 what's being provided to you, anything, all of that comes from God. Never happens until you take that first step. And I think so much, like Roddy said, where we give excuses for why we can't do something. There's a million reasons why the Wright brothers could. You know, we're told that we that man could not build something that could fly. There's a million reasons why uh, Martin Luther King shouldn't have been in Selma. There's a million reasons why Rosa Parks uh, should have sat at the back of the bus, you know, just to get by. But like you said, Mom, be right and let God deal with the consequences because God is surely with the righteous. Even though history is written by the victors of war, at the end of the day, what's being written in the book of life? What's being written uh, that no one that no one can can really read, but but the ramifications come 
uh, and a ripple ripple effect goes on until the end of time. Realize that every single one of your actions has a ripple effect that will continue until the end of time, until the end, the end of time as we know it. And when you look at your life in that in that scope and in that that new perspective, you have more respect for human life. You have more respect for your life. You have more uh, accountability for yourself, and you hold others accountable because you see the the uh, the product of of our actions. So let's hold ourselves accountable, and let's hold each other accountable. Okay, you guys, we have, um, I'm hoping, Gregory, that I pulled in the right number. Is it 281-7057? It's so I pulled you in. I got your message on Facebook. We have 281 uh, with the last four, 7057. Terry, Brandon is um... Hello? Is that 281-7057? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking I was. That's okay, because I was thinking I was pulling in from. That's okay. That's okay. I'm slate one. This is Mary, but let them go ahead. I'm just listening. Hey, hey, Miss Mary. Alrighty. Thank you. you. All right. Okay. Well, I was asked to pull in, but I don't see. Hey, hey, I got, I got, I got it right here. Area code two five three. Last one is one three four five. Go ahead, Gregory. Yes, this this is Gregory. this is this is truly amazing. All the things that have come out in the, in these conversations and different topics and different things like that. But one of the things I wanted to say about you know building stronger men is one of the things that I've encountered in being a leader in, in the military is when certain people use their children as pawns against their father. And you can't, a a child is not a paycheck. And you can't say because uh, maybe the father's not paying the the child support the way he should be, that doesn't mean you cut that child out of the father's life. That is a separate issue. Continue to encourage uh, a relationship with the child and the father, or in some cases with the mom, continue to encourage that relationship until you can work out those other issues of child support, custody, and all that other stuff. And so a lot of men feel slated a lot of times because, you know, the the, the mother doesn't want um, the child to spend time with the father because he didn't pay this or he didn't do this or he didn't do that. Once again, the child is not an option for a paycheck. You know, that child is born of two parents, not one. So it's a separate issue, and you've got to encourage that relationship. And that is a problem that breaks up a lot of homes, too, um, or a lot of foundations for children who don't have fathers in their in their lives. Hmm. I totally agree with you, and it happens every day, every day. Yes, every day. It, it happens, and it's, and it's very sad that, you know that it does happen like that, and and, I, and I'm I'm not saying that men shouldn't pay child support because they should. You know I've I've had to pay it. You know, and everybody who has a child should take responsibility. But when that time comes where there is an issue with child support, don't then use the child as a, a bargaining chip. Still encourage, still encourage that relationship. When my mom. You know, I was, I'm was i 44 now, 
But it wasn't until I was 29 years old that I didn't realize that I realized that my mother and father's relationship wasn't the way that I thought it was. Because my mother never said a bad word about my father. Not once. I don't know what I said that particular day that struck a nerve, but it struck a nerve. (laughs) And it came out. But it was only then, after I had become grown and formed my own opinions about my father, that, that my mother's feelings came out. And that's what I try to tell my daughter with her her daughter and her father's relationship, her ex-husband, you know, you, you can't use these children as bargaining chips. And when you take the father out of the life of a child, because they need both parents. They need the mother. They need the father, especially our young women. They need their fathers to show them what right looks like. And if they're not there, it's, it's always that temptation for the next man to come in and and put his, uh, you know, thoughts and, and different things into your children when it should be you doing that, when it should be you putting the values and the morals into your children, not that next person. And and so many, you know, young men, you know, they, they're lost without their fathers or sometimes and vice versa when the father has, has uh, custody of the children, you know. So that is a big problem, too, and I, I like to – you know, put that in there before we close out. All right. Thank thank you so much. Um, I actually have a, I commend you because what I think I heard you say is your daughter, you explained to your daughter that don't hold those kids back because of what they're going through. Number one, you're telling your daughter this. Number two, you're just you're speaking up for what's right because you're thinking about that those children need a mother and they need a father. And, and we have a lot of older people, I, I know for a fact, who who are separated from 40 and up, 30 and up, who don't have relationships with their with a parent, and they feel like they're okay with it. But deep down, you know that they're not. You can tell by their responses to things, their actions towards things, and, and so much more. So it is something that just goes on and on and on if it's not dealt with, and you're so right. And so I, I, I tell people, I ask people, I tell mothers, you know, if you can find a way to make that relationship work, do it. And I think that's what I meant by saying we all have to just stand up for what's right. Do what's right and let God handle the consequences. Take the right. emotions always, Yeah, take the emotions out of it and always do what's right and not what's popular in society or what your girlfriends are doing. You know, just a quick story. You know, my son from North Carolina came to stay with me in January of 2013. All the while he was here up until September of 2013, I was paying his mother child support. And it wasn't until I said to her, hey, he likes it over here. He would like to stay an additional year. And because he's staying an additional year and needs to do activities, I'm going to go ahead and stop the child support and, and continue it on. But if he goes back, we'll start it back. Man, she went all the way up to the top brass of the Army to basically get him back because she felt that I should still pay her that 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 money. And all I'm saying is, like I said, if you have a child, you have responsibilities. But at the same time, don't use that child as money. Money, they say money is the root of all evil, and it is. 
and it and it played out in that situation with my son, and he he suffers from that because once he got here and saw that dad was nothing like um, he was portrayed to be, you know that plays in his heart. I, I'm he, he says, hey, I missed out on a lot of years with my dad because he's nothing like my mother said he was, and so that's one of the subjects that's just near and dear to my heart. And it all ties into what we'll be talking about next week in domestic violence and all that other stuff. Okay. Well, all right. I'm so excited. Rodney, I'm going to turn it over to you. You're not a guest any longer. <laughs> You're back to being <laughs> host. <laughs> well, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to close it out with this. I'm sitting here looking at the clock, and the clock says 11.48 p.m. And that's Eastern Standard Time. I'm also looking at the number of callers that are still tuned in to this show at 11.48 Eastern Time. Tammy, I think this says a lot about you, and I think that this says a lot about what you choose to allow God to do in your life. We have gone over on a number of shows, but never to this extent. And for this to be the first show that we are honoring leading men, I think this is just the beginning of what's to come for the rest of the month and the rest of next month. So I'm with Brandon. I think that as humble as you are, I think that you have to get to give yourself a pat on the back. Not because Tammy is about Tammy, but because Tammy is not about Tammy. Because Tammy is all about promotion of good things. Tammy is all about doing what's right. Tammy doesn't care if the show ends 30 minutes early or goes an hour past the time, as long as people are being blessed, as long as lives are being touched, you are more than willing to do whatever it takes. And I think that that says a lot about you. I think that everything that you are doing, and I don't like to get into these cliches where people say, I'm not perfect and all of that stuff because that's some man-made conversation mess anyway because God never said that because God looks at people's hearts. And I think that whenever God looks at your heart, I think that God sees perfection. And so before you go to bed tonight, I think that you should pat yourself on the back if you have not done so already. This has been a great show. I'm I'm so grateful that I was able to be a part of this show once again. Um, I do not take it lightly with you asking me to to join Butterfly Evolution and for you you allow me um, to come on with you every single Monday night. This has been a blessing to me. This has been a blessing to my life. And while I may be co-hosting, I'm actually a guest all the time because I'm forever learning on this show. So thank you, Tammy, for everything that you have done and everything that you continue to do. 
Uh, I think Brandon is a great representation of the mother that you are, the woman that you are, and the person that you are. To everyone who has stayed on with us for the duration of this show, we hope that you have a great week, and we hope that you will come back next week, and as they say in church, bring somebody with you next week when you come. Until then, this is Rodney Jordan. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Butterfly Evolution Show. As we always end these episodes, we're going to play Mr. Sam for Tammy's cousin, Diane, down in Atlanta. Be blessed.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.